This is another guy that I think is doing exactly what he set out to do. I bet if you go back to his elementary school uh, yearbook, if they had one, uh, not only was he the editor and publisher, but he probably made the statement, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to be the number one feature guy on the Miami Dolphins beat after a sensational career with a very diverse background in various uh, sports coverage aspects, but with the, uh, you know, Sun Sentinel and many other newspapers, the great Chris Perkins joins us here on the show. Chris, how are you, my friend? Defo, I, I, at my age, I think my yearbook was done with a uh, piece of uh, granite and a chisel, right? Time. Wake up with Defo, joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defo Show. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. Uh, good to be with you here as we welcome in 2023. That's going to take a while. Uh, when will be the first time you make a mistake uh, on a check <laughs> and write the wrong date? And the guy gets to the bank. I, I usually write a couple like this. Uh, you know, I'll be sending you one, Louie, no doubt, Segreto, and anybody else that we pay through the system here. And uh, it'll say 2022 on it. And then when they take it to the bank, uh, the Tell her if they're sharp, we'll, we'll look at uh, whoever's trying to cash this check. In this case, let's uh, use Luby for an example and say, sorry. Not only is uh, it past 90 days, but the statute of limitations has expired. And we don't even know if the forest is still alive. So, uh, you know, try cashing this another time or get the guy to write a new date on it. But uh, anyway, we made it into 2023. Uh, it was uh, sort, of, sort of sedate for me, although I did spend a good portion of the uh, last day of 2022 at a local casino. And uh, fortunately, and I don't know if this is a good sign, I, I guess it is, a, a, a winning day came about and, until nice. later when I had to go back and, and then the Mustang was using an enormous amount of free play. I think that quickly evaporated <laughs> before we had dinner. And uh, she was hitting me up for cash as I was cashing out from a slot machine, which I managed to get the money that I lost that evening back which uh, I was only going to invest about 50 bucks in a whole night because I hate playing machines. I really do. Unless I, I just have so much money on me that it really doesn't matter. And you throw a stick in there and then you feel like an asshole because you left exactly. the casino and you could have been up another hundred dollars, which is not the easiest thing to grind out if you're uh, playing the horses. But uh, had a good time, had a freebie complimentary dinner at the uh, restaurant in this particular casino. Uh, it's now known as a Harris casino. So they, they've been very, very, uh, I mean, they, they couldn't be any more generous uh, to uh, the Mustang and me with their rewards program, including uh, an invitation. I probably shouldn't mention this to Mayo because he'll make a face, but uh, an invitation to what would have been, according to them, a $350 New Year's Eve dinner, one seventy-five a copy for two people. Now, I would have to say, uh, while the food was fine and, and at the price of being 0, 0.0, it was absolutely delightful. At 175 a copy, I would have been upset with uh, what I had received there. What do you think, Luby? Uh, can you possibly complain? You can't complain if it's a freebie. No. But uh, I was thinking, I, I don't know how many people actually paid for this dinner, but if I had thrown 175 350 for two on this one, I would have thought I got hosed a little bit. Uh, and uh, how was your New Year's Eve? What was it good? Uh, and, and let me say, uh, you know, everything turned out fine. Couldn't have had a better time. But uh, no way I would have uh, invested that kind of dough in a dinner on New Year's Eve and, and thought, wow, I got my money's worth on this one. Kind of like that time, I, and I can't for the life of me remember the name of this place. It was a hip place on South Beach. I'm not sure if it's still there anymore. Uh, this had to be circa, wow, might be all the way back like 25 years ago. And uh, with the great Jim Dunn and a party of about 12, uh, we all went to this place. And it was 500 a copy for New Year's Eve. That included like one stone crab claw. 
Oh my! It was God. supposed to be unlimited, but by the time you found a guy to get another one, that was it, man. You could have harvested <laughs> this stuff yourself. <laughs> I did make it past twelve, although I didn't stay uh, the entire time. Mustang went the distance. She was bombed. I wasn't really drinking uh, that night, and um, you know, I, I drove home about ten o'clock from the casino and. I watched a couple of his shows there. Ryan Seacrest, I mean, he is Mr. Television. Now, let's face it, he's a young Dick Clark. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was okay. Uh, there was some uh, sporting activity going on at the same time, right? A couple of these ball games were still uh, in action. And uh, I thought uh, I flipped over to CNN, which I do watch uh, quite frequently, although less and less uh, since the uh, Trumpster isn't as much in focus. I, I just love the way that they rip Donald Trump every three seconds. And uh, I would say I, I, I'm a big Anderson Cooper fan, but uh, he and this guy Andy Cohn were butchering New Year's Eve, I thought. Just absolutely a butcher job, uh, which we'll get to because there was another media butcher job uh, last night. Uh, how, how was your New Year's Eve before we get going with our stuff? Because, wow, I mean, you could not have asked for A, more scintillating action and B, more dramatic stuff to be happening uh, over this past uh, couple of days. My New Year's Eve was good. I mean, we had some friends over to the new house. Uh, we kept it low key. Shirley was off all week. And well, then... when are you having a housewarming party, by the way, Libby? Uh, am I ever going to see this joint or no? <laughs> you can. Um, we, it's not done yet. Like we're living here, and it's passable. So we had some people over, but I still want to get the studio done. I have to get the flooring done. My buddy's been in and out of town and been sick, and I'm not really good with that stuff. Um, so hopefully, sometime in the next couple. Florida of months. contractors, by the way, are extremely oh, contractors reliable. Suck. Always on time. <laughs> always on budget. Yeah, right. Okay. I don't know that any Florida contractor has ever even made the slightest uh, implication of uh, making an excuse for uh, not delivering exactly what they promised you when they took your deposit. A lot of guys just take your deposit and go to, to Costa exactly. Rica. That's it. <laughs> All right. But you had a good time, huh? Uh, did you embrace Shirley at New Year's and uh, promise her that this was going to be the best year of her life? Uh, it's funny. We had lots did of you, talk. You are Mr. Romance still, uh, whereas I just, you know, told the Mustang, hey, Stang, take an Uber home. I'm out of here. <laughs> Not as bad as well, you. Well, her, her friend met her there. I didn't leave her there alone. In fact, the guy at the valet had seen us come out before. And, uh, you know, he's actually brought us our car many times with this, uh, this same kid. And uh, he actually asked me why I was leaving without my wife. <laughs> it was it wasn't a Dana White thing, uh, you know. I can assure you, where you know we were slapping each other around, which uh, you know is not a pretty picture either. But uh, all right, so so you were in a warm embrace, New Year's Eve, uh, with the lovely Shirley. You looked into her eyes. Don't tell me you looked into her eyes. What color are Shirley's eyes, by the way? Can you tell me, Luby? Yes, a brown. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just checking the audio. Uh, are like eighty percent of people uh, have brown eyes? That's always a good guess yes. when a woman asks you over the phone. You just had a date with her. You were staring into her eyes all night long. You were really sincere. <laughs> but you weren't. Holding hands while they were pouring champagne at the Cafe Max. And uh, you were, uh, you know, enjoying uh, slowly uh, savoring a, a very expensive dinner. Then you took her for a walk on the beach. Made out like, uh, you know, bandits. And uh, then the next day you're on the phone with her and she says, what color are my eyes? And you're like, Red. So you got to take a wild guess and you just go. Brown. Oh, they're lovely green eyes, <laughs> no. which is a very low percentage call. It really is very low percentage. I, sure I don't know how many times I, you know, this was back in the day when, you know, they used to have like a regular phone. And I, I don't know how many times I just heard a hard click. <laughs> As if uh, oh you were Nathaniel Hackett calling some GM and saying, hey, I'm available. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> Phone goes right now. 
All right, so you had a good time? Uh, yeah, we had let's, fun. Let's establish we, that. We, had a, right. we had a good time. And it sounds like you had a good time, too. <laughs> I had a great day that day. I was having a blast. Uh, you know, I've been uh, struggling a little bit, various elements uh, with this broken yeah. toe, including like other complications that develop as a result of you favoring the uh, you know, yep. way you're walking. Yep. And now the top of my foot is just so inflamed and uh, you know, painful at this point that uh, I can't wait to see what the report is tomorrow. Although the toe itself doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, that big of a problem. Uh, I haven't bent it in a long time, but I'm, I'm sure it's still broken or whatever, but th that's not really the problem. It's other stuff that's developed around it, not from infection, but just uh, from the awkwardness of walking around in uh, what is really like uh, having one wooden shoe and one sneaker on. <laughs> you got one foot in the Netherlands and one foot in the Bayou. <laughs> It's a Tab Benoit song. One foot in New York, one foot in the bayou. Talking about some woman that he's uh, seeing at the time. Uh, all right. Uh, many, many things. All right. We have the college football final. That's set. Uh, it was an eye-opener for a lot of people. Uh, many thought that uh, there was a chance. I got to give uh, Tony uh, some props here, Segreto. He did say TCU could stay with Michigan. He was we right. were all over Michigan, thinking Michigan was just going to be too big, too tough, too strong. Uh, I I'm uh, quoting uh, the professor here, who is a very astute college football handicapper. He liked Michigan, and I, I don't think he's inclined to uh, pick Michigan or uh, Big Ten teams. I don't think he's a big fan of the Big Ten, uh, you know, and, and neither am I, right? Uh, I, I never was a big Michigan fan, especially uh, during the days when the Canes were competing for championships. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, enjoy Michigan that much. Uh, I hated Ohio State. I hated Notre Dame. Uh, Penn State, I've always despised. Uh, just, I mean, if we didn't know O.J. McDuffie, there'd be no reason. <laughs> to say uh, anything but disparaging remarks about uh, the Penn State program. Uh, otherwise, it was all garbage, yeah, including, uh, you know, the total myth uh, about uh, Papa Joe being a real good guy. That, uh, you know, went, went right out the window there. Uh, and, I mean, you know, it, it's just it, it's unacceptable that that went on forever. I know the, these people now that are playing for Penn State, which I did have a small wagering interest in Penn State yesterday, and, and it was nice to see them run away and hide yeah, in, in that ballgame. Uh, Utah, wow. I mean, uh, Utah has pulled off that. They pulled off those two big, uh, you know, late upsets, especially rallying against USC. How bad is USC in the late going in a ballgame? My God. They lose to Tulane yesterday. That, that was a wild one. And uh, that kind of set the stage for the story of the day. We'll get into the college stuff a little bit later on. But uh, naturally, uh, everybody's concern is for DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills in uh, a. Uh, Situation that I, I don't think has happened before where a game was stopped because a player was injured. Uh, even uh, when you've had uh, players paralyzed, uh, you had Utley on the field there and uh, Daryl Stingley, of course. Uh, I, I don't think they uh, stopped the game. Uh, I'm pretty sure they just uh, resumed play after the guy was taken off the field and everybody gave him the thumbs up. So uh, this was, uh, I guess, in that sense, unprecedented. Uh, horrible to see. I mean, you're, you're looking at the play and I happen to tune in just, just as this was happening. I uh, was watching something else. And then all of a sudden I said, Oh yeah, yeah. The Monday night game should be on. And I tune in, I, I see it's like seven, three. And I, I just, I think I tuned in right as that, that play was occurring. And uh, you saw Hamlin, uh, you know, make a tackle that didn't look like uh, it was anything that was going to cause any kind of serious injury. Uh, it was not head-to-head -head contact, or, you know, so you're thinking there's no head trauma there. He gets up and collapses, and now we uh, have learned later on that uh, he had an incident of cardiac arrest. 
which, uh, you know, there, there was no way to know that. Uh, but uh, obviously there, there were some indicators that something else was up besides head trauma when they had to administer CPR and give him oxygen and uh, put him on a respirator right there in the field. And it was taking him 10 minutes <clears throat> to even deal with the idea of getting him into an ambulance while they were treating him on the field, which they did bring his heartbeat back. So, um, I, you know, whatever uh, the medical staff did, uh, the quick response may and we're hoping saved uh, this young man's life, 24 years old out of the University of Pittsburgh. And we didn't know anything about him. Uh, and, and you know, you're, you're looking at the field there and thinking, and they had made the announcement they're going to give the two teams five minutes to get themselves together after the ambulance went off the field. And you're thinking, that that is the most absurd thing <laughs> I've ever heard stipulated to. I have to give uh, Zach Taylor a lot of credit. He, he showed a lot of dignity and class uh, during that entire process where he actually went over to McDermott, uh, came across the field, and, and you could kind of see him saying, hey, you know, if your guys don't want to play, uh, that that's perfectly okay with us. Uh, which, uh, you know, and, and they kept trying to sweep this aside, which obviously secondary it all became to a uh, young man's life. Uh, what was uh, the meaning of this game and the outcome? But uh, it does create all kinds of weird problematic scenes because – the NFL, and I've uh, mentioned this many times, one of the first interviews I ever did, and, and the stuff still struck me. And I can see the man across the desk. It was a general manager of the Angels at the time named Harry Dalton, who was a pretty prominent baseball figure and one of those all salty dog, old guard type of general managers. I don't know if you're familiar with Harry Dalton. Harry the Hat Dalton. Anyway, Harry Dalton, uh, I, I was thrilled to get this interview, Luby. I hadn't really gotten a job in uh, the field yet. And I was trying to see if I could get some writing samples together and show that I had the ability to, you know, uh, go and interview uh, guys that were at the top of, uh, you know, level of sports. Dalton was certainly uh, among those figures in Los Angeles at the time. And uh, he said to me, I mean, uh, one of the things he said about uh, he was talking about the integrity of the game. I guess the whole Pete Rose thing was still circulating around uh, and, uh, you know, what what it means to uh, have the game be on the level. This is predating FanDuel and betting and wagering insanity that's going on now. But uh, and, and he said, oh, we sell a pennant race. That's a big part of what we're doing. I mean, the, the whole even though I mean, all of it is meaningless if you really look at it. Right. I mean, what difference does it fucking make if the Giants win the uh, Super Bowl? Does it really change your life? No. But we get attached to uh, these things emotionally as uh, sports fans where we put a lot of our uh, energy into it. Uh, it's great. It's a great release. Uh, I, I've always loved working in uh, what is known as the toy department here. Could not have been more satisfied that I chose this path for my life. I mean, things could have gone a little bit better in some areas. They, they could have gone a whole lot worse. I might have never been able to do some of the things that I always uh, set out to do, which uh, when I look back on it now, which you do frequently as you start hitting uh, your mid-70s. I guess I'm in my early 70s. I don't want to push it in the mid. Early. Yeah, early. Very early, early 70s. <laughs> very early. But you look back and you think, hey, did I do the right thing uh, by myself even? And and where am I going from here? Because, I mean, it's not over yet, right? I'm, no. You know, maybe looking at a standing eight count, but uh, I, I feel good, you know, outside of this one little setback. I mean, I, I was feeling great about life and everything that you could do. And I, I actually, you know, I mean, every year you make these resolutions. I want to push myself to do more. But uh, what you really want to push yourself to do is to do the things that make you happy. Mm -hmm. And doing this for a living has always made me a very happy individual. I, I've gotten to meet great people. I've gotten to see great events and uh, all kinds of different stuff. But uh, as uh, we were watching this unfold, I mean, you were thinking about, wait a minute. I, I know that the player's life is of the 
most importance, right? Uh, obviously, all of this other stuff is meaningless, the standings, this, that, and the other thing. But fr- from the standpoint of the league and the fact that they sell a, a pennant race, so to speak, or a race to a championship, th- this thing has gargantuan uh, and, and significant consequences, uh, and, and I don't know what they do about it. I, I really don't. I mean, uh, can you play this game? You can't ask uh, Buffalo to hang around a couple of nights and come back and play. Now, uh, perhaps if we got a word that, okay, uh, DeMar Hamlin is going to make a full recovery, he's going to be fine. In fact, he may even be on the uh, you know injury report next week is questionable. Uh, that would be great. No, nothing would make people happier than to find out this kid was okay. But... Uh, but what do you do about it? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you you give each team a tie. You, you just have them play one less game because uh, you're, you're deciding things that are going to be uh, of huge influence in, in how the outcome of the season goes, which you have been selling to people. And now with these betting platforms, I mean, think about it. You, you have guys that have uh, enormous amounts of money bet on which team is going to win the Super Bowl and all of this other stuff that they have a, a literal, I mean, deep vested interest in it. And what you do about this uh, circumstance uh, obviously is uh, going to be uh, literally of great significance, no? Well, it's funny you're saying that because as it, get, it is happening, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I'm watching and I'm going. No, and I don't think you're being insensitive by saying, hey, we know what's the most important thing here. Here are so many other considerations that, that are in play, and, and people are going to have to make very difficult decisions. Well, and, I, and it's not going to be easy to make the right So I had that thought during the game, and I'm like, there's no way I'm tweeting this <laughs> right now. And I looked down, and who tweeted it? Skip Bayless. And he said, our heart's with the guy, our thoughts with the guy, but how do they handle this? I do want to reiterate, that's not the most important thing right now, of course, his health is. But, of course, everyone focused on... Well, we know. I think that's a given. I I really do. I mean, and you don't want to ignore that as the thing's transpiring, which uh, I'm going to get to this coverage. Uh, I I thought was an embarrassment (laughs) last night. I really did. I, I was ashamed of being in this business. Watching these oh, guys geez, just really? hammer around. <laughs> you were ashamed. <laughs> oh, God. I really, I, well, I mean, no, look, uh, we do what we do. And, and, yeah. and we, you know, tend to uh, gravitate towards the absurd and the comedic and, you know, the, the uh, entertainment aspect of what's happening. And, and we've been tortured in bets and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I mean, it's like we always say, unless you felt that pain, it, it's impossible to relate to these, uh, you know, people that they just arbitrarily throw up there now as a four man panel to tell you which way to go. And uh, how many times have I read you the thing from Action Sports? And, and literally, I mean, you could not make a bigger attempt to bury the finances of the American people than these people are doing. I mean, routinely wrong. Game after game after game after game after game. Now, now nobody's picking, uh, you know, 100 percent winners, but at least give me the confidence that, uh, that there is a stronger likelihood you're going to win than lose. If if you're going to consider yourself an expert and then offer your opinion, it's like, Luby, a guy comes up to you at the track and says, who do you like? I, I don't even want to tell him, right? Because I don't want to influence anybody, you know. And then, of course, if you give him a loser, it's like, at the forest, what do you know? <laughs> it's like, well, you asked me who I like. I told you I like the horse lost. What do you want me to, you know, what do you want me to say? I bet him I lost. You know, I mean, am I supposed to feel badly for you because you got sucked in? Uh, you know, I did feel bad for Mayo with that uh, KD Kekas, though. Uh, but he only bet a couple of bucks on it, so it wasn't like it was all that painful, and it, it really was uh, worth a shot. Uh, all right, so anyway, uh, this incident happens. I tune in the game. I see the guy collapse, and I'm like, that couldn't be from a concussion. I mean, that, that's got to be something else. Uh, if it was, I mean, then then it was a concussion that incurred, or he had incurred at some other time that uh, just was exasperated by whatever energy he put into making his tackle on T. Higgins. 
Um, the game looked like it was going to be a beaut, didn't it? I mean, you had Cincinnati scoring their opening drive. Uh, Buffalo answers back with a, a field goal after Cincy gets a touchdown. Cincinnati's already driving again, and this thing looks like it's going to be a wild shootout. So much is at stake uh, because uh, Cincinnati still has a chance, along with Buffalo, who uh, was in the driver's seat, and especially if they win that game, and Kansas City to get a very important, I mean, uh, with, with the addition of teams into the postseason, which I'm normally not in favor of, it did become more and more important to have the best record in the league, and, and that sort of has these teams playing. If it was just the top two records in the division, I don't know that the last week of games would have that much meaning for all these clubs. And, and here you have Cincinnati and Buffalo, both already in the playoffs, um, and, and Buffalo uh, really, I mean, gets a, an extreme advantage if they end up with the number one seed. They, they get a buy in the first round of the playoffs and then home field advantage to the rest of the AFC in Buffalo, which we've seen recently in the news as not a particularly favorable place for those that are unfamiliar with the conditions. No way. Right? So, I mean, huge advantage for the Buffalo Bills if they end up with the number one seed. Huge advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs yep. if they end up with the number one seed. And, and, wow, I mean, out of nowhere, the Bengals, who were floundering early in the season, floundering, have a chance to be the number one seed after going to the Super Bowl, uh, it seems like a century ago, yeah, just last year. year. Yep. Right? Yep. A lot of class also and dignity being shown by all of the uh, Bengals players, I thought, including Joe Burrow came over. And um, I, I told you, every time I see Josh Allen, I, I like the guy more and more. And uh, You could see that the Bills uh, were. I mean, if anything was established in the hour of babbling that took place after this incident by, I mean, th these are professional announcers. I mean, it's going to seem like I I'm being uh, petty. I don't know, Libby. I mean, uh, criticizing what happened after that, I, I, I think the rest of the world was just as stunned as uh, Joe Buck at, at like $5 million a game. Troy Aikman at $5 million a game had nothing to say. Nothing. <laughs> they couldn't tell you anything about this player. I mean, you know, Troy Aikman gets paid uh, however much money uh, for going over to ESPN. But wouldn't you take it upon yourself to at least Google the player and tell us something about this guy that was just taken away in an ambulance and we don't know his status. In fact, we're fearing the worst that we may have seen something that I, I always thought was uh, inevitable in the National Football League that, that somebody was going to actually take a vicious hit to the head and die right there uh, on the field or uh, somewhat in the immediate aftermath, uh, you know, uh, the following a uh, month or so, uh, you know, uh, like like happens with many boxers. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, look, it, it's a stunning situation. I, I, I've been at boxing matches that ended up uh, where they ring death. I was at one uh, in particular. I watched a few on TV, but I actually was in attendance at the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles when uh, Lupe Pintor, who was a Bantamweight champion and, you know, just this Mexican slugger, fought that uh, they had brought this setup fight in there for him uh, showcase they brought this kid over from England uh, named Johnny Owen and uh, Johnny Owen had no business being in a world title fight the guy literally Luby obviously you're not going to be you know uh, you know uh, with a lot of blubber if you're fighting at 118 yeah but this guy was almost emaciated to make 118 and uh, had no power whatsoever and he was going to have to stand in there uh, with this monster uh, puncher and sure enough, he gets knocked out, and you could tell it was not good. I mean, uh, you could tell this was uh, Duke Koo Kim. This was Zora Foley. I mean, uh, you know, we've seen ring deaths, and we've seen it happen. Uh, you know, a friend of mine actually was involved in a subsequent fight not that long after that, same division. And uh, he actually was uh, supposed to fight Pintor maybe that night. 
But uh, they, they finagled it with the WBC, and they, they stuck this other guy in there for an easy payday, and he ended up dead. I happen to be there. It, 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 there's a pall, obviously, cast over the entire event that would have you, uh, you know, set back to the point where, all right, it might take you a while to gather your thoughts or whatever. But uh, with all of these professional announcers, I mean, that, that, that was embarrassing. Susie Colbert was embarrassing last night. Did you catch this? I mean, it kept... If I'm the director of that show, and, and this is what I got from my three studio people, Schefter is usually, right, I mean, full of stuff. And you're thinking, Schefter, if anybody could sniff out what's going on here, it might be Schefter, right? Get on the phone, Adam, and see what you can find out. Uh, now, I, I don't blame him if he couldn't find out anything. He, he wasn't there. And yet, I mean, how is it that the uh, information from this marketing agent was out there in public before ESPN? I, I still don't think they've said anything about what this guy's remarks were. I think they finally clarified that uh, they restored his vital signs and that uh, he had been induced into some kind of a sleep coma, whatever. And, uh, you know, that they were hoping for the best, that uh, at least there were signs of life with, with uh, DeMar Hamill. And, and that would have been good news. But uh, and did you see these guys? They're, they're stammering in there. Booger McFarland, uh, you know, it was literally rendered speechless. I, I don't know how many times you can say, well, our thoughts and prayers are with this guy. We, we know that. Tell me something. And, you know, uh, to be critical of this, I mean, uh, for me, it was embarrassing in this sense that we've seen guys transition in the sporting world. We often joke about how they send the sports guy out to do the hurricane coverage, Luby. And, yeah, they they send, uh, you know, some unfortunate soul that's like the uh, backup to the uh, third anchor. And and he's, uh, you know, 90 degrees, you know, off the ground, parallel to the ground, uh, hanging onto a tree while his wig blows to the pier and, and, and trying to tell you, all right, it's, it's unbelievable out here. Uh, that That's one thing. But we've seen guys, I mean, uh, look, the great Jim McKay, well, when he had to transition, uh, all of a sudden he's covering the Munich games. And, and uh, you have uh, the, these uh, assassinations done of the Israeli uh, wrestlers. And, and and that became, I mean, obviously that, that was the story at that point. Now this guy is talking about, uh, well, you know what? The boxing team looks like it's going to be well represented here. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're in the middle of just a horrific news story. But handle it like a champ. I mean, you know, Howard Cosell, for, for all of the critics, is on uh, Monday Night Football when, when John Lennon is shot mysteriously and the news breaks. And, uh, you know, it was able to transition. Even Chris Berman, known for being, uh, you know, a clown and somewhat of his, uh, you know, uh, funny antics, uh, when they had the earthquake uh, during the World Series in San Francisco, transitioned into reporting on it and, uh, you know, did a good job. That, that's what you're getting paid to do. You, you can't be rendered speechless in this. I, I mean, Susie Colbert was uh, reduced to just, uh, you know, mumbling under her breath. Uh, I don't even know what she was saying. <laughs> Schefter looked shell-shocked and uh, offered zero perspective. Uh, Booger McFarland couldn't say anything except, uh, her thoughts and prayers are with him. I mean, no, I, I don't want to tune in Joel Osteen. <laughs> Tell me something about this kid. Something, anything. Who is he? I mean, uh, you know, and... Uh, to, to just dismiss everything and say, well, you know what, uh, we're not going to talk about any of that. Uh, they had no information. That, that's fine. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe, they, you know, because of the delicacy of the situation, you know, they don't want to give a bunch of premature evaluations and say, uh, you know, one, one way or the other, what's going to happen with uh, DeMar Hamlet. I, I, I'm okay with that, but there should be some perspective, like uh, a medical guy, anything. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't really like speculating about injuries. Like a guy goes down and go, oh, that looks like an ACL. How, how do you know, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, it, uh, what are you, an MRI machine? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. On the booth. 
But in this case, it, it was clear something different was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it might have called for, uh, I mean, a little bit of hustle. G- g- give me an Arduzzi on the phone or something and, and, and shed some light on who this young man is. Uh, you know, I, I get some kind of perspective on it. And, and they had nothing. Uh, now, it's not unprecedented, too. I mean, you had Hank Gathers uh, collapse during a game and die. And I guess it's happened, what, on the high school level? I, I don't know that of any college players outside of Gathers. I, I don't know of anybody in football that ever just collapsed on the field and eventually passed away. We've seen it uh, well, in preseason. Yeah, like Corey Stringer with the Vikings. We've had it yeah. in the preseason. We've never had it in a game like that. And I thought it was an inevitability. I, yeah. I thought there's going to be the day where the yeah. uh, and and this happened. It struck me going all the way back to like uh, not not just uh, Daryl Stingley. We didn't really know much about that. This whole thing about head injuries and paralysis. It, it just seemed like a fluke. Uh, Utley when when Utley was on the ground and uh, you know and that was the other thing. I mean, there was no allusion to the idea that uh, you know in many situations you're just hoping a guy moves a fingertip or something. Uh, you know, and gives you some kind of sign that it's not a catastrophic injury to the extent where, you know, a young man is going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life and uh, obviously have, you know, his life completely compromised uh, because he's out there playing a the game. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought it was a, as poorly handled as I've ever seen. Joe Buck, nothing to say, zero. Uh, Aikman, the usual vapid self uh, with no idea, no insight. I mean, this guy's been on the field a hundred million times when one guy – doesn't it uh, you know, seem like in the NFL, uh, every fifth play, somebody is being looked at? Well, then that's the or thing. Or is writhing is... on the ground in pain? And college, too. Same thing. I mean, a ton of injuries in this sport. I get you can't focus on the standings during this, but you have to have something to say. What's interesting is Twitter thought they did a great job. That shows really? you how little expectations people have of broadcasters now. Like, they're so used to everything being cookie-cutter that when they... They could have gone to other programming uh, during that hour, and it would have been better serving the uh, public, I thought. That's what I thought they should have done, because none of these people are equipped for this. Like, that's the problem with having everyone be cookie-cutter bullshit, is when something real happens, no one can handle it. No one has the gravitas to handle something real. Like There are examples, though, of, uh, you know, things like this that have happened. Uh, Maybe not quite, uh, you know, I, I don't know of any incidents where an NFL player has suffered a heart attack while playing. Uh, but I mean, there had to be more that they could have uh, brought to the table than just, uh, well, here we are. And, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with obviously, uh, uh, DeMar Hamlin and his family and, uh, okay, we'll throw it in a break there and then we'll come back and, and Susie Culver will fumble her way through some uh, comments while, uh, Adam Schefter, uh, looks as pasty as we've ever seen him and uh, Booker <laughs> McFarlane continues to talk about how his thoughts and prayers are with uh, the family of DeMar Hamlin, as if they wouldn't be otherwise, right? But that's the thing is, like, this thing has never happened, but things have happened. Yeah. And, like, you have to divert your Plenty attention. Plenty of grave situations. Like, you have to be able to talk. Yeah, that, I don't know. It's, it's, they found them, and they didn't know what to do. And when networks don't know what to do, they usually go the wrong way. And that's, I guess, sort of yeah. what happened is they lingered and lingered. And then the NFL, instead of just... They had made a decisive action, which they could have. Once the guy, yeah. once they did CPR on the field, like this was like nothing we've seen. To, to think that you were going to play that game again was just short-sighted. There's no way that game was being yeah, Can you imagine going back into uh, the uh, relatively angry mode that, that you <laughs> like, usually you... see football being played at? <laughs> they're hugging. They're praying right? together. There's tears. Now they have to go hit each other again. And all of a sudden, you're going to go knock the crap out of each other in a game that, uh, you know, has a lot of know, meaning. Uh, Tremendous, uh, you know, consequences for both teams, uh, depending on the outcome and you know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, that, that were involved in that. And, and look, it, it loomed as a 
It's going to be just a great piece of entertainment. I, I'm sure they were all very deflated, but I, I, no hustle whatsoever on the part of the uh, production crew. Uh, they had no information, no insight, no perspective, uh, nothing about. I mean, uh, we knew the kid's mother, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, had to witness this uh, from the stands there, but what was riding to the hospital uh, with uh, DeMar Hamlin. And uh, then we find out there'll be no updates from the hospital, even though there were updates on social media that, you know, were coming, uh, you know, from this marketing agent named Rooney, who was, uh, you know, disseminating at least some information uh, about what the uh, young man's circumstances were. So that was the thing I thought was like, I came in late because I didn't understand. Like I saw that there was a delay and I thought maybe it was weather. So I, I went to watch the game and I'm like a delay for an injury. I'm like what's going on? And then they're like, the info was sporadic. And they're like, oh, there was CPR done on the field. I'm like, how does ESPN have all these resources? And I understand HIPAA and all that, but the, no one wants to get the information out at all. Like, I thought that was so strange that they couldn't get you. Had, you literally had to be on Twitter to find out information about this thing. Like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. get that. Like, that seems so strange. Well, and it also uh, was it was just weird the way they kept going around the horn there, and and literally it, it was like uh, watching uh, people assembling in a funeral. Oh, uh, seeing Buck and Aikman and, uh, I mean, Susie Colbert, a disaster. And not to pick on her, but I, that, that was a disastrous performance if you were on TV. It was almost like you had a meltdown. And, uh, you know, Booger McFarland, uh, you know, not exactly, you know, my idea of, uh, you know, you're not expecting him to be David Susskind or anything, but uh, not not to, uh, you know, imply that he's not an intelligent person. He, he speaks well enough, but he never had anything to say when he was on Monday Night Football. Aikman and... Uh, and uh, Joe Buck, I mean, I should should be on their knees thanking Booger McFarland for being horrible with that stupid, uh, you know, cart that he was in. And then uh, who was the tight end from the Cowboys? Jason Witten, the great Jason Witten. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, among <laughs> the worst commentators I've ever seen. Uh, how do they get these lifeless people to be color commentators? I, I know you don't necessarily want to get like Sam Kennison in the booth, but uh, give me something, huh? And, and, and to be unable to, uh, you know, I mean, even shed the slightest bit of light or perspective on what was happening, uh, I, I thought was an embarrassment by all five people that were uh, involved there. And, uh, you know, they have plenty of resources at ESPN. They could have done uh, just about anything and uh, ended up giving you nothing. They kept coming back to the stadium. Uh, you're seeing the fans still sitting there. Which was the most uh, awkward thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't understand any of that. The whole thing was handled so poorly. Well, I, you know, it's tough to say on that end just because uh, it, it, we haven't seen that before. Like you said, with the, uh, you know, guy on a respirator down there in the field. Seen betters on a respirator, uh, you know, <laughs> they took some shots at home. Not to make light of DeMar Hamlin. Look, uh, the, the kids seem like th these are th these are great stories, all of them. I mean, they really are. Not all of them, but necessarily represent great people. Yeah, yeah. But But here's a guy that was picked in the sixth round. Yep. Out of Pittsburgh. And, you know, had started 14 of the 30 games he's partaken in in the National Football League. And he's on a potential championship team as an important component. He's out there early in the ballgame trying to make uh, plays on T. Higgins, you know, a dynamite receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, they, they talked about this and touched about on it a little bit, you know, uh, with the, uh, well, you know, th this was this guy's dream uh, was to do this, but. It brings up a very interesting topic, going all the way back to my third grade research project, Louie, if you can believe this. This is how far advanced Andy can relate to this and maybe some of our other ex-New Yorkers. And uh, I, I was shocked. You know, Nassau County in uh, Long Island, uh, where I moved to with my parents when I was 11 in the fifth grade, 
uh, is is the highest taxed county, I believe, maybe in the country, wow. in terms of uh, property tax and you know all kind of whatever tax you're paying there. Uh, it's among the highest, if not the highest, county in terms of tax payer dollars, and, and has been, I, I think, for a long time. Right, even going back to when I moved there. Uh, so you would think the educational system there, what was going to be top notch by comparison to the public school system in New York City in the 1950s. And yet the, the truth was uh, we had to do a research paper in the third grade. It might have been a fourth grade, fourth grade, Libby, fourth grade research paper. Uh, and you had to uh, kind of research your own controversial, debatable topic. So uh, at the time, uh, th that was uh, the time. Uh, th that was right after uh, Zora Foley had uh, been killed in a ring. And uh, there was a lot of speculation that the sport should be abolished. And so that's what I wrote my fourth grade term paper. On. <laughs> and it was interesting, though, because, you know, you had uh, to research both sides. Should boxing be abolished? Mm. What was uh, my term paper? And, you know, I looked into it from a lot of different angles. And I, I was already like a huge diehard boxing fan, which... I don't want to get too, uh, you know, too out there, right? But uh, could it be that we've lived before, right? Why would I, in, in the third, fourth grade, be, like, so interested in, like, researching Jack Dempsey fights and stuff like that and, and watch any boxing? I mean, fortunately for me, uh, they had the Gillette Fight of the Week. but uh, and, and there was Foley on uh, national television, the Gillette Fight of the Week, getting knocked out, uh, subsequently, uh, you know, died from, from the result of his, uh, you know, catastrophic ring injuries. And that fueled, again, the debate about whether or not boxing should be abolished. Mm. And I mentioned, too, that uh, my buddy, who I spoke to on New Year's Day, my uh, friend Albert Dambula, he, he was involved uh, in a ring death where he, he fought a guy for a championship, and the guy died as a result of the injuries that he suffered, uh, the head trauma from uh, these couple of shots that he took in the 12th round of the fight. And that was after they had already reduced fights to 12 rounds for uh, championship fights because of the reaction, at least they did something in the sport to try and, you know, uh, you know, try and prevent uh, these kind of catastrophic injuries from happening as they were becoming more and more frequent. Uh, and, and you've seen less of it, although it still goes on. And, and here's the thing. It's always going to be debatable. I mean, but by no, by no uh, realm of logic, could you really, you know, sanction what goes on in a football game? Think about it. Mm. Uh, you know, at that level of uh, professional football, and, and it is true, Libby, look, you look for a flag every fifth play and somebody to be down on the field every fifth yep. play, no? Yep, 100%. Okay, and, and, and you know, we shrug our shoulders. I oh, tore his ACL there and uh, he may never walk again. Uh, but fortunately, that, that mode of medicine, orthopedic medicine, has, has made such amazing advances that, that that's no longer career-ending, right? Ask Jim Lonborg. Had a torn ACL, and uh, they just about amputated the guy's leg. That was it. Never was the same after that. Uh, you know, and and you you would never think of a guy coming back, you know, from an injury like that. Even early on in uh, the National Football League, so they they've made great strides there. But there there's an inherent risk that, that uh, all of these guys sign up for. And the question is, should society sanction a guy's right to go out there and risk his life, literally? I remember my friend Albert uh, at the time, we, we had done a piece, uh, you know, about him uh, a few years later and uh, he was still fighting. And, you know, I asked him, uh, you know, about this was a family guy, real good guy. I mean, uh, didn't have a you know a bad thing to say about uh, anyone, you know, bit of a wise guy, too, like me. I always loved his sarcasm talking about different people, but, uh, you know, didn't have a mean bone in his body outside of when he was uh, fighting in a ring, which he just viewed purely as sport.
like Danny Jacobs, the Miracle Man, said to us. Hey, I, I just view this as sport. But uh, I asked him about uh, the fighter's name was Kiko Bahinas. I, I said, uh, you know, how, how did you uh, end up, you know, uh, sort of uh, rectifying this with yourself so that you could continue your career? And uh, he looked at me straight in the eye, Luby, and he said, it could have been me, mm. which is what these guys understand. Uh, now, in, in boxing, where the object of the game is to uh, render your opponent unconscious, unconscious, uh, look, there, there's a high risk factor there, no? You're, you're signing up for that. It's implied in your pursuit of uh, doing this and participating in this particular sport, uh, that, that there's this danger there. And now in the NFL... That's also there, but but should this level of violence be sanctioned? I mean, you you, you could have serious questions about that. Libby. As much as we enjoy the entertainment of the game, and uh, I was looking forward to the game last night, like anybody else, I'm glad, like pretty much everybody, that didn't resume the game, which would have been ridiculous. But uh, you know, I mean, and and, and fortunately, I mean, th- this was not the result of uh, two guys colliding helmet to helmet, which you're seeing what a- at least four or five incidents a game of that sort of thing, whether they call it targeting or not. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you really look at it, it's hard to condone this level of violence in, in a sport, is it not? Oh, yeah. Look, the, the whole thing is ridiculous, but my, but we live in a country where you have a right to do what you want. Like, that's my thing is as long as you're made aware of the consequences, because that was yeah. the biggest problem to me is that we didn't realize just how bad football was. But now we do. We know what it is. So to me, it's if you accept it, it doesn't make it less barbaric, but that's just life, though. Like, we accept that when we get in a car, there's a high probability we'll get in a fucking accident, but we still yep. drive the goddamn car. Like, in an airplane, it doesn't happen often, but you never know what's going to happen. Like, that's just life. Like, and, it, go down. Yeah. and I'm not trying to make make light of it. I'm, I, I'm glad eventually they didn't play the game, but... You can walk out in the water in Atlantis, trip over some rocks. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, that's it. Exactly. No standing eight count, can't see, be saved by the you bell, know, and like... the lifeguard is having a Bahama Mama. <laughs> and they're going, is that a body floating uh, face down in the water? Interesting. <laughs> jellyfish? Some woman, by the way, got stung by a jellyfish. I saw this on the news. Man of war out there in the ocean. Maybe it's good. I'm taking all the time off here. But, uh, I mean, I had never seen a reaction like this, man. She had, like, lacerations on both arms. Uh, such ugliness, my friend. What? Most things are, are nothing to mess with, right? I know that, but I've never seen people look like they were in a burn unit. Uh, I, literally. <laughs> I mean, it looked like she had been beaten with, with you know, uh, whipped at the whipping post. I mean, I, I've never seen a reaction like that. I, I guess, you know, you get these allergic reactions to uh, the poison that's in these jellyfish and, you know, a- anything could happen. I, my son got stung one time and, uh, wow, I mean, his whole body was like red as, uh, you know, a, a brand new basketball. It was, uh, you know, that was just open up in an ABA arena. Uh, unbelievable. Um, but, uh, yeah, so be careful out there if uh, you're heading into the water. All right, uh, we have a lot more to discuss here, and we'll open up uh, the uh, platform. I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought if you're a professional announcer and you have five of them, somebody should actually rise to the occasion. Uh, Lisa Salters was okay to sideline the reporter. She at least was able to, you know, say something and put some things in perspective. Uh, you know, and, and she was there on the sidelines, so maybe she had, you know, a, a little bit more, uh, you know, of an advantage over the other guys. But, uh Joe Bucks announced a million games. He, he had to have seen uh, many, many incidents of this type. Uh, Troy Aikman, you know, has had like 100 concussions. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. So, don't, so don't he would you... know what it's like to be traumatized by a football game. No perspective on that. Don't you go into story? Schefter time? actually saved a friend of mine. Believe it or not, this is an odd fact about Adam Schefter. Uh, we have, uh, you, you may know this man, uh, Alan T. Brown. Uh, okay. he, he was a publicist. And when I was first working at uh, 790, when they first formulated this thing, he was like a member of their board of directors and was in charge of, uh, you know, various aspects of public relations, which he was great at. Uh, but he uh, w- was body surfing, uh, I believe, at Jones Beach on Long Island. Uh, a wave took him, hit him, threw him down, and uh, he became paralyzed that instant. Uh, and, and who pulled him out of the water? From Belmore Kennedy High School, Adam Schefter. Oh, wow. So Schefter even knows what it's like to be involved in uh, this kind of uh, trauma. And uh, I, I don't know. He couldn't say anything. It, it was it was really, really weird to watch. It, it was an hour of some of the worst produced television I've ever seen under the circumstances. And they kept coming back to the stadium with the score seven, three. And uh, you're asking yourself, I mean, and and they didn't, I I don't know. I mean, should they have shown this again, this play? I mean, you know, where, where the guy gets up and collapses. I mean, did we need to see that a few more times or no? What do you think? Because there were people that had no idea what, what actually happened. I Yeah, I didn't know what happened. I, I wouldn't have minded it, but we've gotten, they've gotten into a weird place of showing things that are too graphic. I just don't like covers like this. It feels like the Olympics and stuff like that knows what to do. They go to stories about the person. They go to people who know the person. They go to... Yeah, I mean, like give that. me some perspective on who, who this uh, Damar Hamlin is. Uh, you know, an unlikely Tesla-type client who uh, you know, made it out of the sixth round to starting for a very prominent uh, title-contending team. And, and then, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, just, just to kind of, you know, finalize some thoughts on this, I'm sure we'll talk to John about it, too, because uh, he has the uh, University of Pittsburgh ties to the kid. But, uh, I mean, uh, the circumstance for the NFL, I, I think, is a big problem, no? Well, no, how it's you, a disaster. How, how, would, how would you handle this, uh, aside from the thoughts and prayers? But, I mean, Cincinnati, uh, you know, needs to uh, beat, the Buffalo Bills to to put themselves into a place where this last uh, game of the you know the season, which comes up this Sunday, uh, is going to have some some kind of significance, and they they will know where they stand, uh, and, and that, that would uh, obviously determine a lot. Maybe they want to rest players in that final game if they're locked into a certain situation. I mean, many things are uh, sort of uh, hanging in the balance. Buffalo Bills, as we said, would have a tremendous advantage if they got the number one overall seed which they've been in a position to have all year, and it's one of the exciting aspects of what's happened in the National Football League in spite of the fact that some shit teams are going to make the postseason, uh, including Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and maybe, I mean, the Detroit Lions have a chance, Seattle Seahawks, uh, you know, and maybe even... Hey, that went a little better this week. It's a new year. Yeah, it sounded better. Your Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Talk about shit teams. Do we write an epitaph for them? Everybody already has. Oh, my God. <laughs> How would a Jets favorite in the opening line over the Dolphins? After oh. this atrocity, we witnessed the Jets, uh, you know, uh, execute in uh, Seattle. Where, I mean, Geno Smith got, got sweet revenge, right? The reverse sucker punch there. Just came right back and hit him right in the face there. Way to go, Rex. Yeah, I'm seeing the Dolphins' yeah. favorite because both are an atrocity. They're, they're, they're least... favorite now by one and a hook yeah, because I think Bridgewater... Home. Bridgewater is going to be able to play. I, I believe oh, that something changed because yesterday it was Thompson. I, Bridgewater wasn't going to play. Bridgewater broke a finger on it on his hand. It turned out it wasn't broken. It's dislocated, and they did the old Ronnie Lott thing. Oh, really? That'd be interesting. That'd yeah, be fine with me. He went, Thompson, cut me, Mick. Cut me, Mick. 
and uh, so they, they they put it back in place, and now uh, apparently he's okay. They were about to sign Bubby Brister. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> Taking it at this point. They would have had Thompson, Skyler Thompson, their uh, scrub from uh, the he's taxi squad. And, uh, you know, who's distinguished himself in a preseason. People thought he should start over Tua. There you go. And, you know, he's okay. I, I have no problem with this guy. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of acquitted himself pretty well. He wasn't able to pull off this victory. But uh, I'll give him credit. He did drive him down there for, a, unfortunate for me, backdoor cover uh, touchdown uh, late in the ball game, which uh, was impressive for a guy that's been on ice for, for a while and probably, uh, you know, was questionable to make the roster because uh, you don't usually keep that. Uh, what was he, like the fourth quarterback at the time? Might have been. I guess, uh, what, was he third string or fourth when the season opened up? Who? Skyler Thompson. Thompson's third. It was third. Bridgewater, okay. then Thompson. People just love Thompson because he was yeah. a gunslinger. Well, he looked good against uh, Scrabini talent <laughs> there. As we often say, everybody says this every time you watch the preseason. Hey, don't pay any attention to this. And then we put, then we uh, you know, uh, monumental importance on everything that happened in the preseason. But that's the way sports fans are. All right. Uh, you know, uh, our, our thoughts uh, naturally are with uh, DeMar Hamlin. I mean, nothing would be more favorable than to find out that the kid's okay. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's tragic when you see this sort of thing. Uh, it is an inherent risk uh, that's in the game, although, you know, you're not expecting a guy to have a heart attack. Uh, but, you know, and, and how do they handle this uh, with Hank Gathers? Remember when uh, he collapsed? Oh, I don't know. That was before my time. I, if I was either not alive or super young. I was around. That was Paul Westhead, right? Was he uh, was the coach? And, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, Mount, uh, what was it? Uh, Loyola Marymount. And they were a high-flying, high-wire act, and Gathers was, uh, you know, yeah, garnering yeah. a lot of attention around the country and was a real good story. And Wow, it just collapsed. I mean, what do you do after that? Now, obviously, they did not play the rest of that game. But but do they reschedule this game? I mean, is this game going to be played? What, how, how do you, you not? Okay, how do you not? Like, if you don't play out? this game, it, it, it's got serious, serious, uh, you know, uh, ramifications in terms of uh, how the playoffs stack up. I mean, all of a sudden, does Kansas City become an automatic number one seed because Buffalo played one less game? Yeah, how does that work? I mean, I, I understand that didn't. I understand last night during the game. Well, when could you play about. it, too? I mean, when are you going to play it? Wednesday? And then ask these guys to come back on Sarney's Sunday? Sarney's talking about playing it next week and then postponing the playoffs for a week. Can you see that happening? I mean, you have all these stadium arrangements. You have people that have made arrangements to go to games, uh, you know, or, well, I guess they, they don't know the, you know, locations yet. But, uh, you know, you, you obviously have a lot of different things uh, behind the scenes that go on in, in staging a sporting event that's going to be attended by, you know, 60,000 people I involving, you know, this this level of competition where you, you finally got into the postseason. Uh, that would be the logical thing, but but then what would happen? They play an isolated game one week. They have one game at Cincinnati Buffalo. That would be strange, wouldn't it? I, I look, Sarney's not wrong. Like I don't know how the I don't know what you do with any of this. We're trying to normalize a really psychotic situation. Like yeah. I I don't know how you say now you have to play. Like if the players are out of it, how do you get mad at them for that? Like I don't. Well, uh, and, and you would hope you would have some positive information about uh, Demar Hamlin, uh, you know, soon, sooner than later. Like maybe today, we find out the guy's going to be all right. Yeah. And at that point, it becomes, uh, you know, a win one for the Gipper type of story for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, naturally would be inspired. You would think to go out there and and uh, you know really put one on. Uh, but if they play one less game, and so do the Bengals, now uh, you concede uh, home field to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Um, if they played one less game, I would think that that would be the logical move, that they just don't play. And, and maybe they do. You know, you can't really – you can't toss a coin to decide who's going to get that buy in the first week of the playoffs, but that becomes a, a gigantic edge for whichever team is in that position. I don't know how you and, – and, and, you know, the, the interesting part of the season was that these teams were going to be battling it out head-to-head for this. Yes, yes. That's the whole that, – like, that's my thing. This isn't like the, the Pirates. Do they win 58 games or 59 yeah. games or the Marlins? That it's not like the, the Marlins where, if, you know, the second baseman dropped dead. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they might just use them as a bag <laughs> to save money on having to, uh, you know, put lime on the base itself. <laughs> That's yeah, maybe a little harsh. <laughs> they did sign that shortstop from the Phillies. What's his name? Segura? Segura, yeah, Segura. Yeah, okay. Where you go to Cam Ming? A legitimate player, right? So no, that's it for Miggy, huh? Done? Probably. Our favorite Marlin. We love Miggy Rojas. I mean, his numbers were I mean, He wasn't a great player. No. But, uh, yeah, was it like, uh, you know, rooting for uh, Eddie Brissou? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, he was he, solid. He was competent. <laughs> oh, he was such a good guy. I mean, it's he not like he passed good. away. He's a good guy. He still remains this is an average. All right, Park. Uh, I mean, kicking off 2023 with a bang. Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant it. party there for New Year's Eve. A lot of good stuff on tap. Jackpots being won. I was in, uh, you know, I, I, Mustang really had to drag me to this local casino, even though the dinner was free. And, and I was so reluctant. I had had a nice day at the track, and I was thinking that for all of the uh, celebrations I had, I, I don't want to throw like, a, you know, a couple of hundred bucks away playing these dumb machines because they never pay. Never. I never went on them. I used to back in the day, and then they must have had some guy come in there and recalibrate with a little time play. Because <laughs> uh, the four aces on the video poker and the royal flushes were not as common anymore. In fact, I don't remember the last time I've seen one. Uh, so I, I don't play those machines there, and so I'm not the kind of client that they want roaming around after a uh, freebie dinner on New Year's Eve. But at Hylia Park, it, it, it's just amazing. I mean, the people are winning jackpot after jackpot. And, you know, sometimes that looks like a come on, right? They used to say that about a uh, certain other now rather large casino uh, here in town that, uh, you know, guys were winning big jackpots, but the rest of the people were just having blood sucked out of their system as they sat down. I mean, they actually hooked you up to a needle and you were donating blood as you were putting your money in the machine. <laughs> May as well get something good out of it, right? You see that stick disappear there in no time flat? You're down to like six cents and you're starting to play lower denominations are always ugly and you're thinking will the machine give me my six cents or does it just eat that up which is a nice little <laughs> it's called breakage at the track man but uh, the fact that they comp every penny is it's like it's not enough you took like $99.75 out of my $100 bill you can't spit me out a quarter <laughs> and what do you do with a quarter now there'll be nothing you fire it you know. but you don't have any of this stress this uh, anxiety at Hylia Park because they, they are programmed to have you just have the time of your life. And that's why people love it there. It's like, uh, you know, going to it'd be like if you went to a friend's house and they had like a full blown casino mm. and, and you didn't have to worry about breaking a bank. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, a lot of amenities uh, come along with uh, having a player's card, including uh, many, many free opportunities there. Free play being my two favorite words that you can put together in the casino business. And, and then, you know, they had the boxing coming up. That's going to be great. And uh, David Morrell is the guy, the name of the Cuban kid, who is, like, top-notch, but he's fighting out of Minnesota now. I think they shipped him off there to uh, get him away from uh, the uh, distractions of Miami, Luby. Does that make some sense? Because look what happened to Yorioka's Gamboa, man. The guy was great. Then all of a sudden, uh, 
Well, we didn't know he had a little bit of a glass jaw. That, that kid was good. But uh, they have a couple of guys, uh, young Cuban prospects also, uh, Leon and uh, Louis de Cubis, that, that are, are right up there. I mean, ready to make their ascent into that David Morrell uh, world-class uh, you know, superstar category. And, and they're going to be featured on this card at Hylia Park. So that's going to be great. Looking forward to that. Um, all the great events there. You want to have a party? That, that's the place to throw it. People are always asking uh, Mayo's uh, page. Let's eat South Florida. They'll be right. Hey, where can I have a party for 40 yep. people? Yep. Uh, you know, take a little drive down to Hylia Park, and, and uh, you'll have yourself a ball, and it'll be in an atmosphere that uh, really is inspiring, including just uh, even when I've been losing there, I, I just look out and go, okay, there is a God, Louie. There is a God. Look at this. This is absolutely fantastic. And then, you know, it sparks all of the memories of all the great times I had there over the years, including chasing that young exercise rider all around the uh, rooftop and into the publicity office, which uh, did not go unnoticed, I, I don't think. Very tolerant to people there of uh, indiscretions. It's not like your T.J. Holmes and Amy Robot, where, uh, you know, you get thrown off the air for uh, maybe, uh, you know, doing something that, as Joe Willie would say, it's un-American not to uh, want to be in the company of a pretty girl. Was that not his greatest line? Joe Namath? I think so. <laughs> it's un-American, my friend. All right. Uh, but there, there's nothing un-American about Hylia Park. I mean, they want you to have a great time. It's absolutely fantastic. They do have that Latin flair, though. Which makes it even better, man. Because uh, let's face it, even a clumsy, klutzy, uncoordinated uh, old Jew with no rhythm like me you can't help when you hear a little oye como va. Just get the body moving there and get the spirit moving as well. It's all happening. It's a beautiful thing. Hylia Park. All your favorite casino style games, uh, Vegas style games in the casino. The poker room is fantastic, man. And, uh, and they have the uh, handicapping championship coming up too, the NHC thing. And uh, that's uh, at the end of January. So uh, get some details on that at hyliapark.com. And make sure you plan to clear your social calendar in 2023 and make many visits to beautiful Hylia Park. All right, the great one himself, John Kajemi, right? Uh, we're going to connect with John. That's fantastic. I'm right, looking forward to uh, having a conversation with John Kajemi and uh, welcoming in 2023. And that will be brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, which saw somebody taking some pictures there. Um, one of our old contemporaries was down there. What was that guy? Uh, the Diz. Remember uh, the Amigo oh, and Diz? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Phil Dominic, I believe, is his name. Yes. It was a weird kind of show, man, although uh, we like both people. But uh, I don't know. We're, we're so peculiar, right? Here I am criticizing the ESPN's crew. <laughs> I, I thought that was poor. If they did a good job, I'd be the first to tell you, hey, wow, great job by these guys. Uh, look, I, I was on the air doing a talk show when, when uh, the planes crashed into the World Trade Center. Talk about transitioning from comedy into reality there. You, yeah, you have we, to be able to do it, man. We you did a week. To be able to do it. We, when D Douglas happened, we did a week on it. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? I mean... These people are supposed to be ready for stuff like Hurricanes, that. you know, you, you have to be able to switch it up and, uh, yes. you know, uh, be able to at least do something. Do your job, right? Do your job. Bill Belichick. All right, uh, guy that's always doing a great job, John Kajemi, going to join us here in just a few moments. Uh, we'll be back with John and his pigskin playbook in a moment. Now that. Potato five. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. 
Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, highly apart. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. We welcome to the show John Jemmy, who joins us for Dateline Dolphins. Uh, John, how are you, my friend? Depot, I'm doing well, and that's not the only thing that's going to reach a new height. I'll be at about 220, 225 after this football season if we visit too much. <laughs> down at uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Grab a bagel and a schmear, plus some Depot and Luby. Welcome back to the Depot Show. All right, welcome back to our first offering here of 2023 on South Florida Live. Uh, Jeff DeForest, we got Mike Luby Lubitz. Uh, Luby's. Uh, you're getting better looking, man, well, with this prosperity that you're enjoying here with the new I home and everything. Uh, looking sharp today and always looking sharp. And one of our favorites to talk to about anything, uh, especially during the Pigskin Playbook. Brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, uh, marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. The handsome one himself, uh, Mr. John Kajemi. John, uh, I know you, you were what? How, how did your travels go? I mean, uh, it was a real clusterfuck, uh, I guess. Uh, I, I saw a Southwest Airlines flight. I was sitting out by the pool uh, yesterday a little while and uh, i'm looking up in the sky there and we happen to be like sort of uh, near the flight pattern there uh, uh, by fort lauderdale airports you see these planes as they're uh, rocketing their way uh, upward i saw a southwest airlines flight and, and then uh, i heard an alarm go off because uh, it was identified as an uh, unknown flying object object <laughs> they, they, they categorized it as a ufo i mean uh, they, they were so unused to seeing that uh, orange and uh, blue I thought maybe it was a Gator charter flight or something. But uh, <laughs> how are your travels? I mean, you went to Toronto. Tell us a little about oh your yeah, uh, your holiday. Just in Toronto, visiting uh, family, and you know it was easy because it was a direct flight. But the the airports were were definitely a mess. Um, you're right, Defoe, about Southwest. I, I ride by five ninety five uh, going down east, and yeah. you see the uh, the colors of, of Southwest on the uh, I guess it would be the north side. Uh, of the uh, of the airstrips there, the airfield, and yeah. there are, you know six eight planes just parked over the last week waiting to to take off and nowhere really to go. It, it, it's been crazy, I, I guess, uh, at the airports with traffic and parking and finally getting on a flight and 
people staying, you know, at different destinations uh, at the airports. Uh, I, I've been a veteran of that through my years of covering uh, college football. Sometimes you, you have yeah. to get two hours of sleep uh, in an airport before you, you catch a flight. So it's, it's uh, especially during the holidays, it's Thanksgiving and Christmas, the worst two times to travel. Well, yeah, I was saying the other uh, day before uh, we closed out 2022 on a show, and uh, I was traveling uh, the Big East Circuit with the University of Miami basketball team. And so you're in the dead of winter in the Northeast, and it happened to be a particularly harsh winter uh, those two years. And it, it was amazing what you had to do uh, to finagle your way in and out of cities like Pittsburgh, which, yeah. uh, you know, uh, can be a problem if they only have uh, like one, one flight out of there that's going anywhere near your direction and it gets canceled. Now, all of a sudden, you're scrambling, you know, uh, trying to find, uh, you know, a place where, you know, you can get a sandwich with French fries piled to the ceiling there so you can pass the night and maybe find a hotel room. And it isn't easy, right? Because uh, you've already returned your rental car and now you're going to go yeah. back in another thing. Uh, so anyway, I'm glad you had good travels and, and the holiday season treated you well. You, you look great, yeah. by the way. Everything, everything was good. You know, I, I, I've been worried a little bit about you. I'm glad you got your voice back. But the yeah. hook has been bothering me for oh, oh, no, weeks uh, now. And, it's uh, ugly. I, I I do think they get this ninth one against the Jets. I, I mean, I, I know people thought they were going to, you know, beat the Packers, that that was going to be it. Uh, that didn't go well. Uh, last week against the Patriots, unfortunately, two out again, and that didn't go well, although Bridgewater was decent for a good portion of the game. But he always seems to have that thing like the USC defense where <laughs> there is going to be the play that, that collapses all of the good and negates all of the good that he did throughout the ball game. And, uh, you know, that there it was, that pick six where he got hurt. Yeah, it turned, turned the game completely yep. around. Yep. And, that, and that was the play you, you kind of circle with that, you know, black Sharpie, and you go, wow, you just you, – if that's incomplete, you know, it's okay. Yeah. You know, if that's tipped to the ground, it's, it's no problem because the Dolphins – you felt like New England wasn't going to be able to do anything offensively. They weren't. To, right. To, to win that game. You know, if you put it on them – and you kept winning field position like the Dolphins did at the beginning of the third quarter. You know, New England comes out, they go three and out. Pilardi doesn't punt it really well. Uh, Dolphins gain 10 or 12, 15 yards. Same thing. Miami doesn't do much, but then New England does less than that. And you get the ball on the, on the plus side of the 50-yard line. You're thinking, okay, this game's going to now turn. And, you know, after the Dolphins give up a field goal and they're still up 14-10, uh, Duggan comes in. I, I think that was the seventh offensive score for the New England defense. That was, that was his third pick six yeah. of the year. Uh, the one guy playing in the middle of the field, he's almost like a rover position where he's just reading the quarterback's eyes and he's, he's able to go anywhere he wants. It, it led him right to the football and, and then nobody can make a tackle and to combat the, the, the injury, you know, to the finger, the, the, you know, the pinky finger of Bridgewater, you got Skyler sitting on the, you know, sidelines, it's 50 degrees, but still you haven't done anything in, you know, an hour and a half. He's been on ice for a while too. Yeah. So it, always a tough situation for the backup to the backup to go in. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins did that at three or four positions that day, quarterback, left tackle, safety, cornerback. I mean, you're playing, you're playing guys in, in a game, a meaningful game, that where you line up on, on a goal line stand after a timeout, you, you're not covering a wide receiver. You know, the, there were yeah. things that that added up in that game where the Dolphins still had a legitimate chance to win, 
but you couple all the things that we just touched on plus nine penalties for 71 yards, not going to win. Such ugliness. No, it was ugly. And I get they have injuries, and I understand their injuries. They're on their third left tackle, and their offensive line was already shaky. I understand that. But at this point, we're we're looking at every team. They have a lot of injuries. The Bills have played with backup secondary the entire season. Like, once you get to this point and the guys have been gone, it's just what's beat what has been, like – and I and I sung his praises. I liked the hire, and he seemed fun. Um, but he hasn't adjusted at all. Like Mike McDaniel has not made any adjustments, and they still have, whatever the quarterback situation is. They have lots of guys that have talent on this team, and Mike McGizicki might not fit their offense, but the dude can catch balls. Like Raheem Mostert and Wilson are good at doing multiple things. You have you have Hill, you have Waddle. They were non-factors in this game, and I don't care how good the Patriots' defense is. This isn't the freaking Ravens of 2000. Like, I, and whatever their issues are with quarter, I get it. They don't. They have got not changed anything. And like, and and to me, I know it's his first year, and we poo-pooed it. But this is for a team that's had a lot of bad December's and a lot of bad collapses. This, if it's not number one, it's top two or three, and and. At some point, it has to fall on McDaniel, and and the, and I don't know what he's doing. It feels like he's doing nothing about it. Like he's just sort of he looks lost when you watch him in the game, and it's sort of frustrating me. And where I'm like, these are two the Packers game and this game they should not have lost, even with the injuries, even with all that, the game was in their hands. Like and it, they they just kept oh we're gonna keep punting ah screw it. It's like what is going on with this game? Like the, the it's just it's just frustrating to watch the team go down the drain. Well, especially in the second half where where we talked about coming out in the third quarter, you're gaining field position. You go down and make a great drive. Teddy kind of push passes the ball into the end zone yeah. to Mostert, and it's a it's a touchdown, and you're up seven points going, okay, now, now we're going to play defense because Mac Jones isn't going to do squat. They really can't run the football. They don't threaten you down the field. But, but yet the Dolphin defense, you know, we, we're always pinning it on the offense. The Dolphin defense has not come up with a big stop in the second half of games since the Baltimore game, I don't yep. think it was. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the goal line stands and the, and the fourth and ones and all the things that happened early in the season for that defense that made you feel good about it. But when you think about beginning of the fourth quarter against New England, it's third and five. And you know, Mac Jones finds Myers wide open for 25 yards. And now it kickstarts, you know, the yep. drive. Yep. Now you get another third down, you get a PI with Cross and mauling. I can't remember <laughs> who the receiver was inside the five yard line. <laughs> it was like and, a- and now you've got a first and goal with the five. So you've given, you know, one. And they have he, nobody uh, on uh, Myers. Yeah. Yeah. He, one, he's out there say, on the left okay, side and they, he's waving here, here, here. Yeah. And they snapped the ball, and the, the linebacker couldn't get there in time. But, uh, yeah. I mean, an easy score from there. And, and that, that really, I think, turned the second half and maybe, maybe turned the game because New England was like, man, these, this is supposed to be one of the better teams in the AFC. If we win this game, we control our own destiny. All of a sudden, you know, you start believing you can win that game. And yeah. they did. You know, they, you know uh, they get a sack. They get a fourth and 16. And, and I think we check it down. You know, instead of maybe yes. the interception there, <laughs> just throw the football down the field, right? Yeah. And, you know, but Sealer got a sack later in that sequence of downs. You find Kasiki late. You have a chance with an onside kick, but I think the, the league stats were over in terms of onside kicks. 
uh, successfully by the kicking team this year. So, boy, it squandered opportunities. You know, you, you need the USC and, special and teams out there for that to work. <laughs> yeah, where exactly. they spread like the Red Sea and, and then just allow the guy to come twenty yards down the field and <laughs> scoop the ball up. So I think LSU just scored again game. as well. Exactly. Oh man. I mean, I, that was the only game I lost yesterday in my personal bookmaking venture after my friend hammered me to the tune of 8-1 and one oh, on the NFL card, which oh, I saw that coming because I was looking at the games going, I mean, uh, th- this guy's got this locked up here. I- I'd love to reverse this. Uh, yeah. But uh, to lose that USC game, I mean, uh, that was to the point Too spread, late. much less the game straight up. I mean, uh, just incredible. And uh, we'll get into all, all of this college stuff. Uh, I just wanted to finish up uh, down here on the Dolphins. I mean, uh, th- this represents to me just a monumental failure. Uh, I, I, I don't know that nine and eight and even making the postseason represents something no, that no, not at this point. I, I'm thinking, wow, this was, was tremendous progress because we had so much, uh, you know, reason to hope that, you know, McDaniel was on the right track. I, I think Tyreek Hill, we were talking about, you know, trades that, that were monumental that, uh, you know, turned out to be catastrophic, like Russell Wilson, uh, where, you know, you traded away two first rounders, two second rounders a bunch of players, and then even more considerations for a guy that you're now saddled with who appears to be completely shot and incapable of doing what you wanted him to do. Tyree Kill, I think, has justified you know what, what they exchanged him for. And uh, you would love to have this guy on a roster. But if they go 9-8, and eight, John, uh, same, record. same record as last <laughs> same year. Same record. <laughs> I mean, to put it in Miley, what the fuck is that? I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. And, and and we need them to win a game uh, against just a team that I, I don't know. I mean, it looks horrible right now, the Jets. But, uh, you know, they have to win a game j- just to do that. And then, well, you know, you now have the Bills and Patriots. And we don't know what's going to happen uh, with that ball game. Right. Uh, you're, you're playing against a team that has nothing to play for uh, in the Jets. So yeah. that could be good or bad because, you know, they, they go, played like go. that the last several weeks. <laughs> well, they, they, they're, they're, that's what I'm, yeah. they have great practice at playing. Yes, at games yes, like yes, that. Yes. I mean, they're, they're okay. accustomed to this position. So you could either play really well or, or just, you know, all over yourself. You know, you, you just don't, you don't get out of bed, but the dolphins, you know, back to your original point about Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Great trade, right? Great, great. Getting him on the field, whatever it costs of difference. Yeah for the Miami Dolphins team in terms of lighting up the scoreboard. But you, you really dig deeper after the surface of the trade and how he made Waddle better, how he made Tua better, how he makes the offense better uh, in terms of play calling for McDaniel. Okay. The, he's the been Dolphins, a real professional too. I mean, and, and he's, and been, a huge he's been a model positive guy. catalyst right. uh, for a guy that, you know, had, uh, had know, a shady had some, path. A little bit of a checkered, uh, you know, uh, situation yeah. there in the past. You I don't know, remember exactly what it was, were, but you know, uh, wasn't bad. considered a great teammate uh, before. Right. But and he has been a great teammate. Yeah. He's been good with the media. He's been good, you know, off the field. You haven't heard boo from him. But right. take a bigger look at this thing, guys. You might end up with the same record as last year. Maybe yeah. you get in. Maybe you don't. But the Dolphins have uncertainty at quarterback. Okay, going forward, they have no cap room. At none, all. None. Okay. Yeah. Zero. They're all in for the next year and a half, two years with what they have. No picks. Um, the, the, you know, <laughs> all the picks. You have a, throwing no draft picks. Yeah. No, no, dra- <laughs> no draft. They're, they don't participate in the draft. Nobody, and anybody wants in a trade. <laughs> you, you're going to have to get rid of Kosicki at, at you know, some point in the offseason. You're going to have to find, 
you know, can can Armstead possibly tape up and play another season? Maybe, but he might not get through as many games as he did this year. I, I think you dig up Sherman Plunkett. Point being, there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of question marks on this team for a team that was out of the gate blazing. Yes. And, and then all of a sudden hit the skids after the bad teams kind of fell off the, the schedule or the mediocre teams. Yeah. Detroit's a pretty good team now. But at the time, they were just finding out who they were. But that's kind of what we talked about early in the season. You know, the Dolphins were going to sprint out. If they could get two and two out of the gates, we'd be happy. They went three and one. But then, you know, they get through the lighter part of the schedule. And we said, hey, those three away games, if they can beat the Chargers, find a way to beat the Chargers because you're giving San Fran and Buffalo, who are better teams, probably the edge. They don't. They don't return serve at home against Green Bay. And then you – you know, lose one at New England in good weather. We yeah, the weather was fine. Be a bad weather game. Yeah, but uh, don't. In, in their defense, uh, Green Bay's uh, come on and played uh, much yeah, better football. Well. They I mean, the Vikings you watched them in the beginning of the year; they were garbage, and, and you thought that was it, and that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be there anymore. But uh, of late, even though he hasn't been razor sharp in these victories, Aaron Rodgers, he's been instrumental in what's happened. But uh, you know, not the same Aaron Rodgers that we're accustomed to. Uh, you know, making almost no mistakes. I mean, he, he's right. thrown some poor uh, long passes, especially where you had guys wide open and missed them. But uh, doing enough there as a team, uh, they, they seem to have generated, you know, a, a momentum that's going in a positive direction as uh, they have a chance now to make the postseason when, what were they, four and eight Yeah, at one point? And, they were, and they were completely, completely out of it. And that was the game, really, the Miami Dolphins at home. Yeah, I mean, that was a big one for them, sure. 200 yards in the first half. You felt like you were up three touchdowns. And yeah. it was only a, a touchdown, but the fumble before half, uh, Green Bay scores, and then they come out and score in the you know third quarter, flip the game right around, and and then the interceptions down the stretch killed the Dolphins. Oh, that, that was uh, as ugly as it could possibly get. Uh, John Kajemi here. It's uh, Pigskin Playbook with John Kajemi, brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. That's mile marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. Uh, a couple of other things uh, on the uh, pro side. As uh, well, we do have a lot to be decided here in this last week of the season. Uh, I, I'm wondering, and, um, you know, curious also, I mean, this was a University of Pittsburgh kid, uh, yeah. DeMar Hamlin. I, I don't know if you were watching the game or I'm not sure that uh, they've been playing or what actually happened. Uh, I, I've seen it on some newscasts where they, they showed the, this young man collapse after he makes a tackle. And, you know, everybody was saying how unprecedented this was. Uh, I mean, we've seen guys go down for a long, extended period of time. You're just hoping they move a fingertip or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it is an inherent part of the game. I mean, obviously, these dangers. Now, th- this is something a little bit different because uh, it's like a flash cardiac arrest. But uh, what was your, uh, you know, what was your thought uh, as you were watching this transpire, if you were? And then what do you do about it? I, I know we're not trying to marginalize, you know, the uh, young man's health, Hamlin, but I mean, what do you do about it if you're the NFL? I mean, how, how do you play this out? I don't know. I've, I've been kicking that around all night, thinking how, how they're going to, you know, get back on the field and, and play this game. You know, do you do it like a baseball game where you pick it right back up uh, where you left off? Uh, do you start the I, – I, what do you do? That, that's a huge – because it has huge implications in terms of uh, the playoffs moving forward. But, you know, first for DeMar Hamlin, you know, that was – I didn't watch it live, Depot. I was okay. I was out at dinner, but when I saw all the replays and you know got got home and watched, I mean, that's such a freak thing to have have happened to you 
on the field where you make a, a normal play in a game, you stand up and all of a sudden, you know, you're out on your feet and you're on your back and, and, you know, you're fighting for your life really. And, and that was just, a complete collapse. I mean, the guy literally just passed out uh, yeah. as he was standing there. Yeah. That, so was, that was ugly. You, you just, all of a sudden your thoughts go to, Oh man, you know, get his family next to him, you know, somebody save his life on the field, you know, and the paramedics and both training staffs did a, a miraculous job of, of doing their job yeah. and, and, and being able to be proficient and, you know, and, and smart and, and all the things you needed to do in that heated of a moment medically for Hamlin to be able to, you know, revive him and be able to get him to, the UC Medical Center, which was, which is like right around the corner, you know, kind of from the stadium. And gosh, you just, you, you know, you're praying for the guy that he's going to be, he's going to be okay. Right now he's still in critical condition. I don't think there's any uh, live updates uh, to change that th this morning. Um, but you're hoping that he's going to be able to be breathing on his own and be able to be cognizant and be able to, you know, live a normal life, you know, after this incident. But just a, a, a freakish play that I've never seen happen on a field that way in terms of a guy making a play. Usually the guy, you know, kind of rolls over and stays down and now you're worrying about paralysis. That's the yeah. first thing you're thinking about, but never uh, a flash cardiac arrest type of situation because the hit wasn't a, uh, yeah, it wasn't crazy. One of those velocity no. types of, of hits that you would, you know, you would stand up in, in your chair, you know, and go, wow, that was, you know, that was it's a, fairly a routine very play. vicious hit. Yeah, it, it was ugly. I mean, uh, uh, we've seen Hank Gathers. I, I was out in Los Angeles when Hank Gathers collapsed, a Loyola and Marymount and uh, died. Uh, you know, I was talking earlier, uh, you know, I, I had a friend that was in a fight that resulted in a ring death. And, you know, I, when, when talking about it, uh, you know, and, and he was a perfectly decent guy. He wasn't some guy that was, you know, threatening to eat your children before a fight. You know, very respectful. Just, just like to compete in a sport, and that happened to be the sport that that he chose. But uh, you know, he 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 knew uh, obviously of the inherent risk. And I, I was saying earlier, I remember him telling me, uh, you know, what what is, when I asked him about his reaction and how he was feeling about it, he said it could have been me. Mm -hmm. uh, now I I don't know that playing football. Look, a anything can happen, right? I mean, uh, you could be playing basketball in a park and hit your head on the pole that. You know, uh, right. holds the basket up and, you know, you could lose your life. I mean, there's a risk uh, going out there and doing virtually anything. Uh, you know, an old geezer like me could easily have a stroke, uh, you know, while out there playing tennis. And I'm not talking about a backhand. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, how did you feel about it? I, I You know, I, there's an inherent risk. And, and the weirdest thing about it, too, about being a football player especially, is how ingrained it is to just move on after you see a guy down on the field, because it's relatively routine to see players down on the field. Every guys, four or five you don't plays, know how many like. times at a practice, either in high school or in college or in the pros, that a guy goes down on the field and all of a sudden the coach goes, okay, let's move the drill. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they were talking about that last night. Yeah. Nick in Saban. Agony. The Nick Saban. And, Nick Saban. And go, okay, let's move up 20 yards. We don't want to ruin practice. Let's keep <laughs> moving. Yeah, let's keep yeah, lose those reps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's no, there's no rep. You know, there's nobody else. The guy's still on the ground 10 minutes yeah. later. So, wow. yeah, it's, uh, I don't think a player ever thinks about, that type of situation before he goes to practice or yeah. play.
I, I really don't. You can't. And the only time that you do think about it is when it does happen. Yep. Yeah. That I I believe that honestly. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and this is a unique situation in the sense that, uh, you know, th- th- this doesn't appear to have been, uh, you know, a- an induced physical injury, although, you know, the, the stress of the game obviously, you know, might have had something to do with it. But uh, we haven't seen that before. And, and I, I, I do, like you, feel like, uh, you know, they, they didn't give enough credit necessarily to the medical staff because yeah. uh, if they kept that guy revived. Now, they didn't have all of this information. But um, I, I thought that uh, ABC literally or ESPN wasted an hour. And you've been in situations where all of a sudden, you know, something took a turn in, yeah. in your sports story where you're having a great time talking about, you know, what they should do on third and 10. And then all of a sudden it became a news story. Right. And, and, you know, especially being involved in talk radio, as Luby alluded to. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've spent weeks talking about uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, not exactly my cup of tea to, you know, be, uh, you know, uh, talking and, and providing insight into a, you know, just a major mind boggling tragedy. But mm-hmm. I, I thought these guys had a really weak job last night. Uh, I, I was sort of embarrassed for my, uh, my chosen profession here. Cause uh, they, they didn't really provide any insight into the player or who he was or nothing. I mean, I, I know they were trying to do things on the fly, but I thought they really mumbled and stumbled their way through that. I, I just caught the tail end of it when they were going, uh, Scott Van Pelt was in studio and yeah. um, who was it? Uh, the, the former player that he was with uh, uh, Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark. I caught a little bit of that. And then I caught. And, and I guess this happened Joe to Ryan Buck. Clark where he was hospitalized. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he, he had a, a really good perspective on things, but I didn't catch any, any of the other stuff other than when they went back to Troy and Joe in the booth for that very last hit. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I, I can't comment on that. I, I, I all I remember is when when the banter was going back and forth in the studio. I thought it was a really a uh, good, realistic, uh, thoughtful um, conversation between a, a guy that's trying to you know keep the conversation going and and trying to you know throw different. Oh, you're talking about Van Guy that went through it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty good. Before that, I, I thought they just laid an egg, man, like fell on her face. By the way, uh, you know, just out of curiosity, because I, I, I yeah, Troy Aikman is very handsome. He's distinguished. Uh, he's had a great career. I, I don't think he provides much insight into a ball game, uh, you know. And and if there was somebody else doing it, but for half the money, would you have done it, John? <laughs> he did it. Yeah, you know what? I would have had a thought. I would have thought about it for maybe a half a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for a I, I, I don't find that Troy ever says anything of any uh, great interest or something that I find. Whoa, that that was interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, you know about the game of football, which I mean, all of these guys are trying to educate people that have been watching the game since they were five years old. So it, it's not you know that important to me to uh, constantly emphasize. You know, the, you know the the uh, strategic stuff so much because we, we've seen it, right? Uh, but I, I want to know something about you know who's out there in the field, and, and that's why I thought you know it was especially weak that they never talked about you know who this guy is and uh, Where, yeah. Had, yeah, what is history? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, thought, I, I would have thought they would have they would have tried to you know give more background on humanize uh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just what type of you know. What type of kid he was? I would have been wouldn't have been surprised if they would have somebody tried to could get speak about him. Yeah, get Narduzzi, Narduzzi on the phone. On, exactly, on Narduzzi on the, on the like, broadcast who coached him years ago. Like, come on, you can get whoever you want. him, you know, and give you a little insight about who he was, where he's from, and you know how what he meant to the program there, and how they're feeling, you know, for him tonight. You know that that type of thing. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm usually very impressed. Uh, you know, and, uh, we've been in a situation, I'm sure you have too, where uh, all of a sudden you, you, you're doing a sports show or whatever, broadcast, and, and you have to transition into some kind of, you know, a really heavy news. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of guys <laughs> do it very well. But uh, I, I, I thought these guys really uh, just absolutely bombed last night. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, Van Pelt at least was able to, yeah. you know, resurrect some of the storylines there. And, right. uh, you know, Clark, I guess, uh, had been through this. So, although I'm not a huge fan, uh, you know, he, he speaks very well, seems sharp, but he, he, he's morphed into a little bit of a Stephen A. Smith type for me, Ryan Clark, when his general commentary, he's always screaming. Yeah, he was, good. he was good last night. Good last night, That yeah. was a topic that um, he could really speak to. But yeah. you're right, I, I guess sometimes he's become hysterical. the loudest yeah. is, yeah. is yeah. the winner. I, I don't know. Hey, I, you know, I saw a friend of ours was down at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chili and some pictures, and it looked exactly as we talk about it, like this guy was literally enjoying a big chill. He was on his way down to Key West, and he was going to hit it on the way back as they had such a good time there. And that, that seems to be something that happens to a lot of people that experience Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill for the first time. I think you're right, Defoe. A lot of uh, people that I speak with, when they're driving down, uh, when their destination is past Key Largo, uh, they always end up, you know, veering off to the right to the Bayside Whoop. and run yeah. into Billy, you know, run into Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill and little square out right there. Yeah, a little just down and out right there <laughs> at the mile marker, and you and you either run into the sports bar, you hit the yeah. tiki bar, you go in the pool. Uh, if you're if you're looking for a quick lunch, you can grab uh, the Fisherman's Pizza. Uh, that might be a little bit. Whoa delayed lunch you yeah, know, unless you have you gotta, mayo with you that's a little bit over yeah you got to finish everything on your plate right yeah so uh and then i the best part about jimmy johnson's big chill is when you're there on the weekends especially on a sunday when they have the live band going oh, and man. dominic and larry are up there singing and playing and you just get a cocktail and put your feet up and listen to good music and and take in all those beautiful bayside views and you know just chill and that's the best place to do it at jimmy johnson's I mean, when you're curled up in a fetal position, uh, you know, at home and you're watching uh, TV and you're thinking, you know, you can't take another hour of this. And, and you think about instead you could be out watching the, the sun drop into the Bayside in Key Largo as uh, your brother, Dominic, who, uh, you know, doesn't take a back seat to Bono when it comes to being able to belt out a tune. Uh, I mean, that was capping off a day. You, you know me, I love my live music. I mean, I, I go see local bands as often as I can and I have many friends now in the business that I enjoy seeing all the time whenever they're playing. Uh, but they had a full day of different bands going there. I mean, yeah. Galvano's not like holding back. I'm, I'm sure he has to pay, you know, each one. They're not doing it for free. Uh, but, you know, you usually get like one schlepper bar mitzvah band at one of these places or <laughs> Some clown with uh, an electrified steel drum yeah, yeah. that also makes its own, you know, music as his own horn section coming out of a computer. Right. This was good <laughs> live. I mean, like energetic music by some great performers. It was fantastic. You know, it's so much fun going down there because you can do nothing and have a good time or yeah. you can do a lot and, 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 you know, feast like a Viking and have a great time. And, and especially this time of year with the playoffs coming up, you know, uh, basketball's kicking in high gear. Hockey's in high gear. You've got all the sports on. You know, golf's going to start to ramp up. So the sports bar is a, a great option because uh, they serve all the all the food you would want at a sports bar, only they kick it up a notch. You know, it's just that much better at, at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. So uh, you never know uh, who you're going to run into, but you know you're going to have a good time uh, with your crew 
just just hanging out and you're going to get first class food and service. That's always a, a staple at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. No, good times I had by all in a great place. Beautiful <laughs> setting. Uh, we recommend it wholeheartedly. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. The accommodations, if you know another couple that you can stand sharing a, a place with. I mean, it's not like you're going to have to be right on top of each other. Uh, these places are gigantic and uh, absolutely as uh, uh, you know unique as I've ever seen in terms of accommodations in the Keys, and you can easily share that. So uh, log on to jimmyjohnsonsbigchill.com and check out the accommodations as well. When available, a spectacular Luby. Poor Luby was uh, sleeping like in the back of a Ford Fairlane uh, that was junked on the side of the road there off of uh, the overseas highway. Uh, you know, one of those little backwoods houses that looks like it should have been condemned. And he's outside there sleeping in the car. And we're in the luxury of Jimmy Johnson's Big <laughs> Chill. Thanks. I still feel some Jew guilt about that, uh, John. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, right. thank you for setting that up. It, you'll it you'll carry that for a while, yeah. Yeah, I got over it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, we're coming back with more. We'll dissect the whole college scene. It was spectacular. A couple of Thriller in Manila type of ball games. And uh, we'll get John's opinion on that. And then, of course, we have the national championship matchup, which I'm regretting, although I, I don't know that they're going to do this, but I, I don't think it's impossible. I think that uh, was TCU not like 20 to 1 in the four-team field, that they had some enormous Might odds. And you're thinking, geez, at that price, I mean, obviously they're in there with at least a half a shot uh, against uh, Michigan. So all you have to do is get by in that game, and now you're in a, an enormous winning position depending on how much money you put up. Because you can hedge off and bet Georgia if you want and, and make a small score right. or, you know, cash an enormous amount of money at uh, 20 to 1. And all you have to do is win the one game. I guess you should have just bet it all in that game. Right? Yeah, no, right. you're not going to get 20 to 1 odds, though. But – uh I think they were, I'm not sure what their odds were going into the tournament, but I think they were like substantial, and here they are in a position to win. So we'll see if John thinks they have a chance there. That's coming up a week from last night, a week from Monday night, and should be a very, very interesting game with two exciting games. I don't know how they topped those two with some yeah, Back right? with more with John in a moment. How that? The time. 8.39. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks, hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining, while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. The reason we realize it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Verizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, 
are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954-809-8752. We welcome to the show John Congemi, who joins us for Dateline Dolphins. Uh, John, how are you, my friend? Depot, I'm doing well, and that's not the only thing that's going to reach a new height. I'll be at about 220, 225 after this football season if we visit too much. <laughs> down at uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Grab a bagel and a schmear, plus some Depot and Luby. Welcome back to the Depot Show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're uh, happy to have John Jimmy, the pigskin playbook. And uh, there were two, I mean, uh, this uh, Hamlin uh, injury last night uh, naturally uh, was capturing uh, most of the attention of people uh, in the uh, news, sports, media, and uh, it was certainly worthy of, of talking about. But uh, the college games that were, were thrilling Manila-esque uh, for me, John Kajemi. Uh I, I didn't catch every second of every one of them. I, I saw enough of TCU-Michigan. Uh, having uh, unfortunately been put in a position where I was laying points with Michigan. I was never in a favorable position in that game. Uh, people are criticizing clock management of, uh, of uh, Jim Harbaugh. And then all of a sudden, the speculation after he was dedicated to being on the college scene, had this wonderful year, uh, surprised a lot of people, especially with big victories late in the season. Uh, speculation now he's open to taking a pro job, which you're figuring there are going to be a few. Um, what do you think? I mean, uh, both teams were doubted throughout uh, the season. Most people thought Michigan had that early cupcake schedule and was eventually going to come back to the pack and fall apart. And TCU, uh, right down to the wire, uh, you know, people were saying, uh, look, it's a miracle these guys uh, continue to win. So what, what was your thought on that game and, and the chances of uh, TCU winning it all? You know, I, I felt like for TCU to win, the game had to start the way it did. They had to get out to an early lead. They had to get momentum early and, and get – Michigan in a position where they had to play from behind and, you know, chase the game. And it felt like Michigan was chasing the game and they almost caught up with it, you know, midway through with, with McCarthy uh, making some plays and, and the Michigan defense kind of settling down. But TCU has been living on the edge all season. You know, they, they've played a number of close games to where you always counted them out. You didn't think they were that good, but they ended up always winning those games. And this was just another, uh, another game, maybe a, a little different way of getting to the win uh, because their defense made so many spectacular plays that they turned into points. But they made enough down the stretch and were good enough uh, to, to hold off Michigan's uh, comebacks uh, attempts, you know, because they were multiple attempts. You know, they, it seemed like it was one of, as you said, the thriller in Manila, it was one of those, you know, punch-counterpunch that – TCU just had the upper hand. They had, you know, they got one in every every round after the bell, you know, that kind of stunned the Wolverines. And, you know, I, like you said, I, I watched a lot of the games, but it's at a bad time, Defoe. You've got a glass of wine in your hand or, yeah. or a cocktail in your hand all day because you're thinking about the evening and how much more you can drink or how much more <laughs> you can eat, right? Yeah. So you're kind of watching the game in the distance and, I watched the beginning of it, and I, I knew that TCU had a more than a fighter's chance when they when they scored defensively. 
you know, and all of a sudden you were like, I don't think Michigan's the type of team that can come all the way back. They can come back, get into the game, but they're going to need a turnover or two from TCU to actually win it. And that really never came. Uh, wildly entertaining, as was the Ohio State-Georgia game, where Ohio State had Georgia by the jugular throughout yeah. most of the ball game, And, you know, a, a very surprising USC-esque type of collapse there uh, at the end. And, and it did look like Georgia, you know, with, with this vaunted defense, was incapable of stopping uh, Stroud and, and the Ohio State offense. Uh, they were literally carving them into, uh, you know, diced potatoes there. <laughs> and... Uh, and looked like they had to win. I mean, they, they had this thing sealed up. We had them. Yeah. Right? Georgia's who we thought they were and, you know, end up losing the game. And even even with the final possibility of getting this field goal to win it, this guy Ruggles, who had uh, been pretty good by college football standards, I mean, that was one of the worst shanks I've ever seen <laughs> in, in a pressure situation. A line drive brick to the left there. That was lucky it got off the ground. That Ooh. looked like my drive on 18 at wow. Grand Oaks yesterday. Exactly. It never exactly. had a chance. Right. Dead in the water. Dead when you hear that second water. thwack, too, you know, and it's caroming off trees like a pinball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's always embarrassing while you're standing at the tee, you know, giving it the old Ernie Palmer, peering out there. <laughs> Where is it? The fairway? But you go, thwack. Yeah. That was my Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could do mine in sound effects. You know, um, that, that was that ugly, team, though. I mean, I, and, and does that haunt a guy for the rest of his life? I mean, uh, kids yeah. are able to shake stuff off now. That, unlike, you know, uh, guys in the past where, you know, you would have carried that to your grave. Yeah, I, this this may go that far. You well, know, that that was the shot that Ohio State had. Go, going into this game, I felt like Ohio State's offense could score on Georgia as good as Georgia's defense is. I yeah. felt that that was the one thing Ohio State had going for them. They were going to be able to match a score with a score. They were big enough up front to be able to play power football with Georgia. And they were athletic enough up front to be able to sustain that line of uh, scrimmage battle. And they yeah. had the athletes that were going to overwhelm Georgia if they really got on a roll. And Ohio State's passing game really did get on a roll. Um, I, I felt, I felt this, and I don't know if you guys went in this direction, but it almost felt like to me that the lifeline that Ohio state got was kind of not deserved because they got beat so badly at home in a rivalry type game against Michigan that they ended up getting a second chance, Yeah, but they made, they made the most of their second chance, you know, Looks more like than it was going to be they, a winner. They went down to the last play. Yeah. Now, I don't root for Georgia a lot. I like Georgia. I like Kirby Smart. I played golf with him. He's a great guy. I, I, I respect what he does as a coach. Saying that, I felt like Georgia was the be was going is the better team. Uh, you know, you play five games, Georgia's going to win four, four and a half of those games. Okay? Yeah. So I felt like they actually deserve to play for the national title. They didn't deserve to wait a month and – the lifeline that Ohio State got, which they're a good team, but they had their chance and they got their ass beat at home. Against yeah, but who would you have put in there? I mean, you couldn't have no, thrown I'm just, Alabama I'm just in there. Saying, yeah. That's why I was rooting for Georgia because okay. Georgia's been that everybody's had the bullseye on Georgia's back for two years. It's sure. hard to play every game against quality opponents and not have a dud come out somewhere. Yep, yep. You know, you're going to have some, you're going to have 
a, a fallback quarter or two. And they almost did, you know, and credit Ohio State for taking advantage. But I was hoping that Georgia found a way to win because for two years now, they've been the best college football team and they deserve to play for that opportunity again. All right. Uh, so a, a substantial favorite. I think the opening line was 13 and a hook in yeah. favor of Georgia in, in this ball game. Uh, so once again, TCU not getting a lot of recognition for whatever it is that they accomplished in uh, pulling off this uh, upset over uh, what was supposed to be a much more rugged Michigan team. I mean, people well, thought that I Michigan had the why, physicality to just, uh, you know, pound these guys. I think that's why TCU ended up winning the game. Yes, granted, they get the defensive scores, which is always going to help, and they needed them. Yeah. But they were better in the trenches against Michigan than they th- I thought they would be. Their linebackers were fast and big and physical. The defensive front, they had a freshman nose tackle play against Michigan who had, you know, a veteran offensive line. He held his own. He did a great job. And then the quarterback makes enough plays. He's a tough SOB, man. This guy, this guy keeps coming at you. Yeah. And they're a fun, they're a fun team. They're a fun team to watch because I think they genuinely like each other. You know, offense, defense, they they they're kind of, you know, one sometimes you can get, you know, a, a heavy dominance on one side of the football. It's a drag on the other side especially in college football where, you know, maybe not so much these days because everybody's kind of a pro. Everybody's getting paid, right? So yeah. it doesn't really matter as much. No, what do you think George's payroll is? I think George's payroll is larger than the Jets. Yeah, I think I think TCU – well, TCU should have some oil money. I mean, if you're Drake May, right? I mean, are you back at North Carolina this uh, this know. coming season? No. Well, when they're offering you, like, supposedly at, uh, $5 million, $10 million to go somewhere else? The quarterback at Wake Forest. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Hartman. Years. He ended up going He's to, uh, Notre, to, go Dame. to Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. What do you well, think that was worth? That's what it's yeah. rumored. Yeah. He'll be living in Jerry Fausel house. <laughs> but, uh, they just yeah. Happen Jerry Fausel. Quick yeah. claim deed on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, how much are they paying this kid to leave Wake Forest? Uh, that was a big story there at Wake Forest. It's a touching. Heartwarming story. I mean, he's there with crippled children, and uh, you know, he went through all of his stuff. He'll be leaving. Loves it. He's been there like seven years. Yeah, I mean, he's had a Blutarski like session there, seven years (laughs) of college, and now he's uh, available to go to Notre Dame for like twenty million dollars. I mean, I'd be sprinting to South Bend. Both of my hamstrings would be. Yeah, I wouldn't care if there was nothing to do there. I mean. uh, um, yeah, I mean, don't you wish you were around today? I mean, you can always say that, right? Uh, if you had it to do over again, but, uh, you know, coming along at the time that you did, it would have been nice to be able to go like, you know, well, you, you started at uh, Pittsburgh, so you weren't leaving, but I mean, it would have been nice if some alumni there like the Pramanti brothers could have reached you with a few million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Instead <laughs> no of doubt about cash, that. I got pastrami, egg and, and cheese sandwiches. That's right. <laughs> so I, I'm, uh, you know, slightly invested. I mean, I can't say it was a substantial enough amount of money for me to, you know, start crying about it, but uh, it's always interesting as you start examining various mathematical permutations when you're watching a ball game now from a gambling standpoint, and whether or not your points, whether they're being allotted to you or uh, subtracted from the total, uh, are going to stand up. So uh, I have USC getting three or giving three. USC giving three wow. in that game against Tulane. They go up. Uh, what was it like? Forty-five to thirty. They're up fifteen yeah. points. Their only way of losing to the point spread would, would be not to give up one touchdown, but two with about three and a half minutes to go in a ball game. And I think uh, also uh, you had Tulane uh, with a marginal number of timeouts left. They had already used one. 
somewhere in the uh, second half, I believe. So so they weren't going to be able to really do much with the clock. And they scored two plays later. <laughs> As uh, Wow. I mean, what, what's up with Lincoln Riley? I mean, uh, is that just something that uh, an oversight on his part? Because same thing happened to him in the conference championship game against Utah. Same thing right. happened to Where, him at you know, Oklahoma. They, they, they can yeah, never win the I big mean, game. His defense yeah, has sucked. You're right, Luke. <laughs> like, you're right. When does he focus on yeah. defense? Like, when does he give a crap about defense? That that's a that's a glaring, you know, that's one of those things that you carry over into the offseason and you guarantee that there's gonna be some type of changes either with staff, philosophy on defense, because that's happened to them multiple times. Uh and it really, you're right, Luby, the head coach bears some responsibility because that's happened just about every stop he's been at. Yeah. Have you ever seen a worse execution by a special? Well, I mean, you could, you know, go back a zillion different directions on this. But the attempt on the onside's kick that followed, I mean, you talk about like stupidity. How did they allow this ball to roll right through the middle of the field? for 15 yards and, and then have a TCU player pounce on it. That, that was insane. I mean, they, they, you just gave up a two play, like 80 yard drive. And uh, then you allow this onside kick to dribble right through the middle of the uh, defense. Nobody even makes a move for it. It, it was incredible. That, you know, Deepo, I've got a, a theory on that. That's why when you look at, and they finally ID the special teams coach on the sidelines, yeah, you expect him. Was to it have Joe Amazano? Like, I mean, you expect uh, him to have a do? cigarette, yeah, a cigarette yeah. in one hand, right, yeah. and just the flask in the other, and he's just yeah. kind of nipping at the flask and throwing the butt and cuffing it, you know, and yelling sure. at the at the guys. They're all, they all got to be crazy, because you get one or two shots in a game to make an impact, right? And right. it seems like when you screw up, it gets magnified that much more on special teams than any other position or any other. That was, know. you got it all the way. I mean, like, yeah, they're right. Looking around. yeah you got it. You got, you got, I got, nobody's got it. Yeah. Somebody's got to pick it up after it gets past 10. I mean, come on, make a move for the ball. That, that was crazy. And then, uh, you know, like, like they just got stuffed on a running play at their own one when they incurred the safety. And, uh, you know, it, 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 they run another play. Like they're just equally right. dumb, right? And in the middle of the line. <laughs> and you're thinking, my God, I mean, this guy's doing everything. Do, do I sound bitter? I, I only lost no, a couple I of bucks. No, I mean, I, I can tell. I can How tell do you lose to the point spread there, lies. much less lose the game? I mean, uh, that was that was absolutely Did you guys insane. see the um, – uh, how about the Florida State game and, and the Pitt game, Luby, too? Uh, that was wild at the end. Yeah. I, I, and I only caught the last – probably last four minutes – of the Sun Bowl and UCLA goes up and you figure, oh, this, it's, it's done. And then the kid that only plays in bowl games uh, comes back down and, and they find a way to get a kick. But FSU had a, a crazy finish as well. Yes. Yeah, ended up hanging on. Uh, that, that was one where, fortunately, I was on the right you know, side of the point spread. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, looking forward to uh, next Monday night and the championship game, uh, TCU. Uh, th- I was 13 and a half. Is it still there? 13 and a hook. I, I don't know if they've uh, impressed enough people to have that line move in another direction here. Uh, did I have it up? Yeah. Oh, 13. Is it so, 13? Ha- ha- half a point shaved there, uh, people sending in a small amount of capital on uh, TCU uh, in the early going. Uh, I, 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 I have to research this, uh, but I thought they were like 20 to one in a four team field, which seemed almost impossible to, uh, to win. And, and I mean, you would be in such a favorable position uh, if uh, you had gone ahead and, and taken them up on that proposition. That, that would have been great. But uh, 
Unfortunately, I didn't make any kind of move in that direction, <laughs> thinking they were going to get crushed like a grape by Michigan. I did, too. I didn't think predicted. they had a chance. No. Yeah. That Michigan was just going to overwhelm. All right. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, big chill. Great place to go. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, you know, and, and we actually are working on the arrangements, John. You'll appreciate this. To uh, get down there, supposedly middle of the month, according to Luke. Okay. That was the last word that he had. Although uh, your brother Dominic's no longer uh, taking his calls, and neither is a man. <laughs> when are we coming down? Uh, and, and we're trying to make it so that uh, Jimmy's there. Obviously, that that would be the you know the, the right. real purpose of going down there. So, well, we'll keep you posted on that. We thank Perfect. you so much for uh, joining yeah. us here uh, today. Uh, Dolphins, Jets. Do they do it? I mean, uh, do we get the nine, well, or, or do we die they with the dagger there, they, a bait and a hook? I think they. No matter who plays quarterback, I, I think they've got a, a chance to win at home, but. You know, Jets look New, horrible. New England I mean, holds horrible. all the cards, and depending on how, you know, the the NFL rectifies, you know, the game between Buffalo and Cincinnati when they play it, how they yeah. play it, where you know where and when um, is going to determine a lot in the next, you know, probably forty eight hours. Well, and I think Mike White is a savior, but uh, there's a reason that he's you know uh, not starting in the NFL somewhere. I would think not, not that, you know, maybe you could distinguish himself if he really gets a chance, uh, but, uh, geez, I mean, he, he looked like slappy white out there in this game. He, he was horrendous against Seattle. And I, here's... I hope, I hope that Skylar Thompson actually starts in the game. Uh, yeah. not, not that I have anything against Teddy, but if, <coughs> if Teddy's hurt and can't really, you know, grip the, they pulled his finger back stuff. in the socket. He had a dislocated yeah. finger. So they got to wait for this. So I've done, done that one. And you got to wait for yeah. the swelling to go down. And, and why do you go around a lot? Just whoosh. yeah. Cut it right off. Thing, yeah. You know, put it in a paper cutter. And bam, but one but good actually wipe. when Skyler had a week to prepare and I think it was the Minnesota game. Yeah. He's not bad. He, yeah. He, you know, he was starting to get things rolling and yeah. uh, I'd, I'd like to see him play a whole game and, and, and see where see where the chips fall there. Well, and we've forgotten, like, Mr. Irrelevant is starting for San Francisco. Everybody's darling to win it all. I mean, uh, and, and as we said, I mean, these guys have a tendency sometimes. You get the backup comes in, he really inspires the team one week. Everybody's screaming, hey, he should start the next week. And then he just lays an egg uh, the following week. Uh, but this uh, Skyler Thompson has acquitted himself in a fairly uh, reasonable fashion, so. That'll be interesting. Uh, you, you'll be at this game, right? Dolphins. Jets. I'll be there. Yes. Well, uh, we'll do the pregame uh, Dolphins weekly live at eleven thirty on Channel Four, nice. and then the uh, fifth quarter post game right after. All right. And uh, you know, what, what is your thought? Does it happen? I mean, I, I couldn't I comprehend so. how the Jets were favored over anybody. They were favored over Seattle last week for some bizarre reason, and I thought Seattle needed to win that game because their uh, playoff hopes are contingent on a bunch of other. Uh, you know, games uh, that that play that day, but uh, they still weren't alive, right? So why would right. they have any incentive uh, that they needed to win that game to, to keep this in place? Uh, the Jets now, uh, you know, totally uh, diffused from what was a promising season early on, but I don't know that I've seen a team that looks worse than the Jets at this stage of the season. Even the Houston Texans, uh, you know, are, are showing more signs of life than the Jets are. Well, and that's saying a lot, too, because the team they're playing, you know, is on a five-game losing streak. Five-game so, losing streak in their favorite. And, and, and I think the Dolphins are going to win. I, I don't know if it's going to matter, though. Yeah. Uh, it, it all depends on, you know. I, well, I don't who see, knows about I the Bills Patriots? Yeah. I don't see New England scoring more than 13 points against a Buffalo team. Yeah. I, I, I just don't. And I, I haven't really looked to see where the game's being played, I think. It's I believe it is in Buffalo, yeah. 
I, I and you know, with that much on the line, I, I don't, uh, I don't foresee New England winning that game. So if Miami can, you know, rally. The it team, is in Buffalo. It's yeah, in Buffalo. Yeah, win one at home. Uh, you know, the, at least they'll have a, a shot uh, moving forward. So I, I do think they win at home. Pretty wild and a strange occurrence there uh, last night. Uh, and, of course, uh, all of our uh, thoughts uh, are with uh, DeMar yes. Hamlin and hoping. I mean, you can't wait to see some good news on that if you have, uh, you know, uh, even the slightest bit of an emotional fiber uh, to your being. And that would be great. And you would have to think if that happens then the Buffalo Bills suddenly become inspired and win one for the Gipper type fashion and, uh, you know, uh, go back to being the dangerous commodity they were you know, in terms of being favored to win the AFC and maybe even right. the uh, NFL championship this year. John, always a pleasure, my friend. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Great job. And, uh, thanks, Louis. Always uh, good stuff. Uh, and we appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, thanks to Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill for bringing you John Kajemi and the Pigskin Playbook. All right. Uh, we're going to see you guys 12 o'clock today. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox, uh, a change of uh, schedules. Uh, might have been promoted, uh, but I think it's been clarified that uh, we will not be at the pizza spot today. Uh, good reason for that, Luby. They're closed <laughs> on Tuesdays. Okay, so uh, we've uh, amended the schedule, and so uh, we'll, we'll be coming to you with our first show of 2023. Uh, May was supposed to do this uh, bottled uh, spaghetti sauce uh, tasting, which uh, I, I have to give this mids uh, a pretty uh, good uh, recommendation, Luby. Mid-price range, very tasty. Nice. I'm not sure. I haven't tried uh, Rails or, uh, you know, any of the really, really, what are the other really high-end ones that are going for like, you know, 15 bucks a jar Carbone. or whatever that is? You keep talking about Carbone. Carbone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Carbone. Everybody likes that. All right. You know, and, and it probably is a difference. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess you can make it as rich as you want to. But uh, this was more than satisfying for me, you know, but when you're starving and all of a sudden the only thing in the closet is some spaghetti and you have to open a box and then see if there's any anything moving in the box. Because it's been in there, you know, like with three different uh, residences, this one box of spaghetti that I opened up the other day. And, and you look in there, and uh, I guess what? You're checking first for, like, lice <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and mold. And, you know, the overall freshness probably is compromised quite a bit, even if you're talking about Ronzoni, my friends. Uh, so we'll have that uh, with Mike Mayo. Mayo, uh, I, man, I mean, I have never seen a guy eat so much as Mayo did uh, during the holidays. That was insane. Did you see what he was doing on, like, New Year's Eve with the lobsters and everything? Wow, this kid is a hero. <laughs> we love Mayo, even though he's uh, verklempt about a lot of things. Uh, he, he did end up at a hockey game, too. And he was rooting for the Panthers. He's a Ranger fan his whole <laughs> life, this kid. He is the epitome. I mean, you talk about the essence of confusion. Now, this was in deference to his daughter, who was a Panther fan. He didn't want to sit there and start screaming, yeah, right in her face. <laughs> when Vinny Trochuk uh, threw in a gimme of a breakaway there is, uh, you know, the Rangers always seem to have the edge in that game. This, uh, what is it, Patrick Maurice? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, the Something coach. Maurice? Chevalier? Yeah, Paul, whatever his Paul name Maury. is? Paul Maurice. Paul Maurice, yeah. <laughs> Has he ruined a good thing? I mean, they, they swing the big deal. They get rid of Hoobie Doobie who was a real catalyst last year, but uh, people deemed him to be too soft to win a championship. They bring in a guy, Kachuk, who's, who's a dynamite player and has done nothing wrong. I mean, uh, he's got like 17, 18 goals. He, he's a real menace in front of the net there, tough as nails. Uh, you know, and, and, and a good guy to have on your team. And he brings that physicality. So so that looks like, uh, you know, a move that uh, should have uh, made the team better. No, they were dynamite last year. They sucked this year. 
sitting there sub 500 with this guy, Olmaris. And he doesn't have much to say after these games, right? He's almost like the French Joe Philbin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, I hope people appreciate this stuff. Uh, Yeah, he is. He's Joe Philbin speaking French. Parlez-vous français, (laughs) Philbin. Right? The French, they end everything with a... And that's kind of how the team is playing. So anyway, here's uh, May. We should have been reveling in the, in the Rangers just having a dominating performance there. They were almost always up two goals in the game. And uh, Bobrowski, uh, once again, playing like a blind man in the uh, Panthers' net. Uh, Panthers offering zero resistance uh, defensively to anything the Rangers were countering with. And uh, and that's it. He, he's rooting for the other team, who he hates, right? He despises <laughs> the Panthers. That, that has to cause inner conflict, no? No wonder he's bitter about some of this stuff. It's amazing. All right, we'll find out where uh, Mayo was at. But uh, how he's even alive is uh, incredible, isn't it? You see these pictures? <laughs> I told him, uh, well, this was Andy's idea. I actually just popped it up on uh, one of the comments that uh, he should write a book about being divorced. No one no one does it better than this guy. He's always treated to a uh, royal feast every time he goes over to this woman's house. Yep. The same woman that was throwing, you know, like, like a frying pan <laughs> in his head just a few short years ago. <laughs> Been there, done that. The butcher knife uh, that time, and I pulled a prank about the uh, you know getting married in Las Vegas. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like relatively a first time starter there. She was a little volatile, inclined to uh, you know flip out. <laughs> I can find him. I tell you what, you're, you're, you're a psychotic, uh, you know, neurotic maniac. <laughs> Look me up, man, on uh, Plenty of Fish. There you go. All right. Uh, we'll have, uh, speaking of Plenty of Fish, we'll talk about some fish dinners, uh, no doubt, I'm sure. And then we have the tasting thing. Uh, tomorrow, you guys are going to be on the road there with Nikki Mohan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be uh, getting a, a new uh, toe uh, report there and see uh, where I stand medically. Hopefully, I can get back to being myself. I uh, really miss it. And, uh, and then Thursday, we're at the pizza spot, which is great. You guys should come out and get yourself one of these pizzas, man. Uh, a pizza, you know, the whole New Haven thing. Which uh, I didn't know anything about. Like, even growing up in the Northeast, I, I never thought about New Haven pizza. Did you? New Haven? No, that's burnt. When I was in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, <laughs> I thought, what the fuck am I going to do here? <laughs> I was there many, many times uh, covering basketball games and uh, uh, various sporting events. And uh, there's nothing going on there in New Haven, no? I guess they make a, you know, a different type of pizza that people love. Well, well you had the Pepe's thing. No, it's not fine. I, st- I still prefer the pizza spot. I like yes. the way they do that stuff. I yeah. really do. Agreed. I'm not sure about Mayo's uh, passion for that uh, hot pepper cherry bomb thing. It's a lot. It's a little bit much for me, and I'm a big spice guy, man. I like it hot as hell. I really do. But when you see Mayo schwitzing and uh, even <laughs> Necky Mohan, I just start picking. I mean, she's got Caribbean blood. She's from she had Canada. to start picking the stuff off there. All right, uh, we'll be there on uh, Thursday and then Friday, Gulfstream Park, and that's been working out great. Had another winning day there on a Friday after burying everybody with that uh, Katie Kakis. So I managed to get out of that hole and then have a great time. And what great food, huh? They had at Gulfstream. That was fantastic. That brisket, all of that stuff. Those wings were great. So uh, they've turned us on to a lot of good stuff. All right, uh, we will see you guys at 12 o'clock as we leave you now that. The time. Yeah, we're slubbering here. It's uh, 9.09. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.